Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoops on a Monday afternoon. Hope you're enjoying the start of your week. I am your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com. Of course, WBCA and Blue Frame Technology as well. Uh, I want to thank all of our partners for their assistance with everything that they give us, um, especially, uh, well, there isn't even an especially, but uh, obviously D3Hoops.com for their support all, all year round. Uh, of course, National Association of Basketball Coaches, who have been incredible since this studio, well, before this, but before, since the studio was created. Um, WBCA has been wonderful in their support. And of course, want to thank uh, Blue Frame Technology. Uh, that's how we're on the air. We're web streaming to you. Uh, or you can watch us on the big screen, the big screen via your Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, uh, Android TV apps. Just look up T1, Team One Sports there. And you'll find us, um, and easy to to find the show there. Uh, obviously, bringing you the bring it to you live. You can even watch it on demand. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and we hope you'll take full advantage of them. We got a jam packed show today. I'll, I'll just get out ahead of it. We do have new top twenty fives that will come out later today. We are not doing a top twenty five segment uh, today, uh, mainly because we just want to kind of keep things fresh. So we'll we're gonna wait a week. Um, just kind of shake things up, give ourselves a pause. We, we started talking about the same teams. Let's, let's shake it, shake it up and see what a couple weeks gives us. So we'll, uh, we'll give a pause there. I want to thank all of the guys who, who have been part of that. Uh, but we'll just give that a week off this week as a, uh, apropos of that, uh, right now it looks like Thursday's show that we were hoping to pre-tape and put together is not going to happen mainly because folks, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm a bit exhausted. I've got a big business trip coming up uh, this weekend that starts on Thursday. Uh, we would have to tape the show Tuesday and Wednesday. We've got other obligations as well, including this evening, which is why we're on the air today. And uh, I have been, you can ask the guys, I, I might be sleepwalking. Uh, there have been a couple of things I've posted into our Slack channel that turns out I had the wrong team or the wrong gender or whatever. I'll give you one funny one that I thought was funny. Just the last one I did, I said, oh my goodness, Stevens Point beat Platteville. You know, they reacted accordingly. And then one came back and said, uh, that was that was women, Dave, not not men. You know, I read that three times. And for some reason, my head did not pick up on the obvious fact. So uh, that's happened a couple of times. I am a little bit exhausted. Um, and Marathon may have done something with that, but I was tired going into the marathon. So I think unless something changes, Thursday's show, we're just going to take a pause on that as well. I know it's not great timing because regional rankings come out Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday for men, Wednesday for women. So we'll find something we can do to at least react to those, whether we do maybe a quick show Wednesday night or we do something on Twitter called Spaces, which we did after the convention. That's another idea. We'll figure it out. We'll tweet about it. We'll let you know. We'll at least react to the first regional rankings. I promise you that. You just won't be able to put a full show together. The trick is Wednesday evening, I'm supposed to be um, at Goucher to, to do a game. So it may have to be late Tuesday afternoon, Thursday morning, then I'm out the door for my trip. Um, so maybe once the rankings come out Wednesday, of course, the men will come out Tuesday. So maybe we'll do something Tuesday afternoon or evening. We're just going to look at the logistics and figure it out. But we'll get something out there. It may only be audio. It may only be via Twitter spaces. Uh, we'll let you all know about that, but uh, we'll at least react to the first regional rankings. Again, the men are coming out Tuesday, the women Wednesday. We talked about that with Megan Wilson and uh, Mike Shower on the Marathon Show last week. Um, and they they just, Meg basically said, listen, you know, that was the intent. We were going to go with the men, but we found out 
kind of after the fact that the men were doing that, and not after the fact, that's not a knock on the men, it's just after the fact that on the women's side, some of those racks had already started setting up their meetings and letting coaches know when they were going to be needed. Hey, coach, we're going to need you on Tuesday mornings. Okay, so now coach goes and looks at February, carves it out and says, we're going to be doing other things on other days to account for that, or we're going to change our regular season schedule to just know that late in the season, we're going to be tied up on Tuesday mornings. Well, changing that after the fact maybe just isn't fair to those coaches. Um, so some of the women are, are meeting on Monday, the racks, some of them are meeting on Tuesday, the national committee will meet on Wednesday and get their regional rankings out Wednesday. I suspect next year they'll all be on the same page. Men will be getting them out on Tuesday. So there's, it's a little bit of a, a kind of a herky jerky there, but we'll, we'll react the best we can. Reminder also on those regional rankings, they are alphabetical in this first ranking. And I know that there's going to be a lot of questions about that. We will on the show page, share a link to the chat that Pat and I had about those regional rankings in November about them going alphabetical. We'll also share links, I hope to other conversations we had with um, uh, Mike Shower and Megan Wilson about that. And the fact why they're doing that, especially our conversation uh, in early December about it. Uh, it makes sense from their perspective, especially Mike's talking about we they don't have all the cri- criteria, including results versus regionally ranked opponents. It looks flawed. It doesn't seem right. So instead of putting them numerical, we'll put them alphabetical. They aren't numerical behind the scenes either, we should point out. So it's not like they know where they are ranked and they're just not telling us. They're flat out. Yes, they'll be ranked, but then they'll shift them in alphabetical and that's it. When they go look at them in week two, there won't be a numerical ranking to compare them to. Um we would love to see the mock rankings, and that's what we also talked on the marathon, turning the mock rankings into numerical rankings, or I'm sorry, uh, use the mock rankings for the results versus regionally ranked. So send out the mock rankings, the practice rankings is alphabetical. Then week one, you've got results versus regionally ranked opponents, and now you can show the full data like it normally should be. So we won't have, le- you know, I hate to use the word legitimate, but we won't have full rankings like we never do until week two because week two even in the past was the first one we had all the data points so just adds up regional rankings for men tuesday regional rankings from women wednesday both will be alphabetical and we should point out also this may only be a one-year thing where it's alphabetical it's a trial balloon alphabetical rankings and they won't include results versus regionally ranked opponents we got to wait another week for that and that's when we'll get numerical and that data and everything else in between everybody got it Make sense? Anybody confused? No? Wonderful. Um, Just saw this before the show started. we got a couple of coaches' uh, information to get to. Give me a moment. We'll get to that. Um, There's some announcements from over the weekend and uh, today. So good good to see. I just spotted it in our chat session. Um, Anyway, so that's that. Uh, Again, Thursday's show, we'll probably just put on the back burner. And then Monday's show, one idea I might do next Monday, we're going to be back in the evening. Maybe we just do a super show, kind of make up for some lost time. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge. I don't want to uh, uh, not cover regions. um, What what regions? Yeah, uh, 3, 5, 7, 9, 10 as much as we cover the rest. So maybe we'll do a super show on Monday, just a little longer than usual and get in a couple extra guests to get that all covered. So anyway, there you go. Lots, the lots to, to cover there. Um, let's see what else we got business wise. Uh, so our first, I, I guess, out ousting of a coach over the weekend, we've had a couple of announcements of retirements over the weekend. I'm mean, not of the weekend over the season so far. 
um, including one we'll talk about here in a moment. But the first one I've seen that's a true ousting, Matt Airy is out at Aurora. I, I don't know a lot about it, uh, at least on the record. Um, kind of surprised myself. He was coaching on Thursday and suddenly wasn't coaching Saturdays when I noticed it. Um, watching video, I was checking in on, on Wisconsin Lutheran, kind of curious what they had. I had a, a random Saturday off. They're leading the NACC, and I figured I'd dip in to check that out while, while bouncing around to some other games, and, and Matt wasn't on the sideline. Uh, we checked to see if he w- had coached the previous game, and he had. We checked that video, and then we went to the uh, coaches' pages just to see if he was still there, because if he if he was or wasn't going to decide my next move, and he wasn't there, um, and an interim coach had been named, um, Coach Taylor. So we, so Mount Airy's at, at at Aurora. He was in his third year at Aurora. Remember, he was a longtime assistant and associate head coach under Eric Bridgeland at. Whitman, where Matt was, uh, is an alum. Not sure what the plan is. I'm not sure what Aurora is trying to accomplish. We'll see what happens. They uh, granted Aurora only had four wins this season, but um, usually that's an end of season thing. It's not common in D3 to see those kinds of decisions mid season. We don't have a full answer on it, but we'll keep an eye out and see what's going on. Um, also, we just announced uh, today uh, Mark Hansen's retirement at Gustavus Adolphus. Uh, remember, he's the, a graduate of Gustavus Adolphus. He will retire at the end of the basketball season. He's been there for 30-some-odd years, according to the press release. Um, I guess he took over as assistant in 1986, and see the rest is history. 400, uh, let's see. Winning his coach in Gustavus basketball history, 529 wins, 315 losses. He's got 403 wins in the MIAC entering Monday's matchup against Augsburg. Uh, seventh winningest coach in the NCAA Division Three, ranks 45th all-time in Division Three as well. So congratulations to Mark on his retirement. Um, we'll miss him. Good coach, good man. Enjoy our chats with him often. And uh, glad to see he's up and running. Or he's decided to, to retire. I mean, hats off to him, honestly. Um, we're, by the way, should point out, um, we're rolling. I love the hashtag, but the last one is missing an H. I'll admit, I, I kind of rushed on the Facebook stream. I'm not sure what I posted there, uh, Phil. Maybe it's right. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Great question. Let me see here. Da, da, da. I don't think I had a hashtag on there. Um. Anyway, we're up and running there. We're also up and running on uh, YouTube, if you feel like joining us there. Uh, of course, on Blue Frame Technology as well. If you want to email us, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also... Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, the board behind me. I'll get it to you guys. Oh, yeah. Bear with me. Uh, now I see what everybody's talking about. No, I know. I know what's missing. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so guests we have today uh, coming up here shortly. We'll, oh, really? Got to get going. Mass Dartmouth head coach Brian Baptiste is on the show. Later in the show, we'll talk to Christopher Newport's John Kerkorian. Dixie Jeffers is coming on. Last minute guest with Dixie. She's a former head coach at Capitol and... Uh, former uh, interim AD. Dixie's going to come on and talk about her retirement. She retired mid-season this year. We'll talk to her coming up, friend of the program. Mandy King of Kane will join us uh, out of the NJAC. And then Olivia, Olivia Lett, ugh, Olive, Olivia, Olivia Lett will join us out of Millican Women's Basketball as well. Oh, so some of you have noticed the new boards. I got these recently, finally got them up and running. I'm going to play with them and see what we like doing. You'll notice the one over my left shoulder, uh, if you're watching the video, I'm pointing to it, has our guests, uh, doesn't have Dixie on there because literally booked her in the last hour. Um, 
but it has our, our guest names on there. So you can see the schools we're going to be chatting with. The one on my right shoulder that's on the desk, uh, it says D3 Hoopsville, uh, hashtag Hoopsville, hashtag D3 Hoops. Uh, the top one's the Twitter account. There's not enough space to put the at sign in. We are squeezing those letters in hardcore, and there just isn't enough room. Maybe we tape it. I don't know, but then it would look weird. Um, so the hashtag Hoopsville, hashtag D3 Hoops, the Twitter account, Instagram account, at D3 Hoopsville. I, I can only squeeze so much in. We'll see if that's how we keep it. We're going to play around with it, see if we can have some fun with it. Maybe you put in little little funny sayings here and there. We can change colors on them, by the way. Um, see? Uh, I, I tried to put up uh, kind of an orange one, but I'm not sure if I got the right color. Uh, I'm a little bit colorblind, so it didn't work the way I wanted to. But, you know, we can change colors. So anyway, um, that's what that is. It's a little fun. All right, we got to take a break. we got to get Zoom up and running. we got to get to our first guest on the air. It'll be Brian Baptiste joining us to talk uh, about Mass Dartmouth men's basketball. Having a tremendous season and certainly looking good. We'll talk to him about all of that, what it means to the program, uh, how he feels things are going as well. Certainly it will be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to that. If you've got questions for our guests or whomever, please don't uh, hesitate to, to reach out by our the information scroll at the bottom of the screen or any other way you know how to get a hold of us. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by T3Hoops.com from the w, for the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at, at the WBCA and, of course, Blue Frame Technology. We'll be back with more on Hoopsville after this. Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships just being involved on campus, being a leader. All those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division Three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us. Uh, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, though, admittedly, today, we didn't do a very good job of promoting the show on Instagram, mainly because I had to make that unexpected trip to Annapolis um, that carved up the, my entire morning. We'll, we'll get better at that, but I apologize. Of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show today. Um, Phil's certainly active there. There you go, bud. Um, it doesn't say, oh, I see. I am missing an H down there. I'll be darned. How'd that happen? Well, I'm going to have to fix that. Thanks for noticing that, Phil. Apparently nobody else in the house proofread that. So we'll fix that later. Hmm. Um, anyway, lots of ways to get a hold of us. Hope you're enjoying it. And, uh, thanks for tuning in. All right. So let's talk again. We break down the regions, uh, on, on Mondays, we tend to talk Region 1 and 2 combined, then Region 4, 6, and 8. It's really the old New England, Atlantic, South, and Central regions. Uh, and if you're watching up in New England, you all know the answer to this. One of the teams that's kind of caught everybody's attention is Mass Dartmouth, having an absolutely tremendous season of the Corsairs. 18-2 and two overall, 10-1 and one in men's basketball in the Little East. Their two, of the three loss, two of their losses came in a three-day stretch back at the end of November, beginning of December. And, of course, they got a lot of attention with their win over Wesleyan, 104-94. Yeah, you're probably thinking it's about darn time we get to the coach and talk to him about all this. You're right. We've waited a little too long to talk to the Corsairs. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Corsairs and head coach Brian Baptiste. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And tremendous season so far. Yeah, well, I'm, I, thanks for having me on. And, uh yeah, the guys are playing really well, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I am sure it is fun. Um, watching your games has been fun. I've tuned in a few times and gotten a kick out of it. Uh, you guys, you you seem, I don't want to say carefree, but you seem relaxed. Like, the game doesn't seem too stressful for you. Well, I, I think that's, uh, that's a tribute to the uh, senior leadership we have on the team. Uh, the guys have been around a little bit, and um, uh, we have some very, very good players that are pretty calm and collected. So it it really makes a difference in, in wins and losses on a season when you have kids like that. Yeah, it, you we'll get to the to the individual talent that's for sure. Um, in a moment, again, you last season got a chance to play. You guys were the champs last season, um, so you had something to build off of. But how much? Uh, going into the season, did you know you were going to have back and not have back? Were there still some question marks and whether all this talent was going to be able to congeal again for this season? For this season, no. We were pretty set from last year who was coming back and who wasn't. So I, I had a good idea. Well, that's definitely takes it makes it a little bit easier. Um, the talent is phenomenal. Uh, we can talk about the the roster here in a moment. It's certainly got a lot of leadership, as you pointed out. Um but you tend to be a little more guard heavy, which I don't think is all that surprising in the game these days, but you tend to be a little bit more guard heavy with some great inside presence as well. Are you more relying on the guards to do well to free up the inside? Are you more hoping the inside can at least distract so that the guards can have free will? Well, all year long, it, I've been stressing for the guards to look more inside. When we can get the ball inside more, we go to the free throw line more, we get easy baskets underneath. Those are all things that, you know, I'm sure coaches are always looking for. I stress that. And it, it didn't happen till, um, I don't know, maybe uh, mid-January 
that we started really being more effective in doing that. So I, I think that the biggest reason for our success is the kids have really bought into the defensive end and we're doing a lot of things defensively to try to be successful. We're primarily a man-to-man team, spent a lot of time on it. And uh, like I, I think the maturity of the group is a big factor in, in why we're winning. And I say guard heavy, you look at the roster online, you've got three players listed as a forward or center. The rest are guards. Nobody's shorter than six foot at least listed. So you've got some decent size. You just don't have a ton of inside pressure uh, or presence. I'm sorry. Does that put on pressure though on your guards to try and play well? Or is it because defensively you've got a little bit of extra movement maybe with all those guards that that's your first and only concern. Let's just get stops and we'll worry about offense later. We worry about getting the stops first and, and the offense later. Uh, but I, I start three guards and pretty much play the game with three guards and a 6'6 and a 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six kid. And uh, one of the 6'6 six, six kids is a guard. Uh, but, you know, he, he's tall and uh, he has a lot of skills. So it, it, makes for a, uh, it makes for a fun team. So really you're starting four guards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just one of them 6'6". Six, six. Listen, I've seen stranger setups. I've seen all guards starting lineups these days. There's such a hybrid to the sport. I mean, I know at D3 Hoops, we try and stick to the three guard, uh, two uh, forward slash center look when we do uh, all region and all America teams. So sometimes we'll fudge it and go with four guards. But to some degree, that a lot of that has changed. Is it changed because recruiting has kind of forced your hand to go more guard heavy because you've gotten guard look? Or is it because the style of play you want to play requires you to have maybe more guards than inside presence, and and that's just the direction it went? Well, that's the way it turns out. I I still like to have bigs and have quality bigs, but it seems like it's harder and harder to get. And uh, I will adjust my play to the talent that we have, but it always seems to be that we're, we're heavy in the guard rotation and a little bit slim on the bigs that are quality bigs. So that's the way it ends up. You're led by, I mean, you have four players in double figures uh, with with one more who could easily be there. You're led by Marcus Azor, who scored his 1,000th point earlier this season. He's scoring nearly 18 points a game, pulling down nearly 10 rebounds a game. He's also by far the leader in the clubhouse in assists, uh, at about four and a half per game with 167 total. Plus, he's a leader in steals, shoots 46% from the floor. He doesn't shoot w- often from outside, but he'll hit 32%, 75% free throw shooter. In other, and, he, and he, by the way, leads the team with 30 blocks. Is there anything he doesn't do for this team? Will he not buy lunch? Will he not go and do errands? Anything he won't do? No, he just about he fills the stat sheet up. Uh, he's yes. one of those kids. He's got, uh, he's got exceptional athleticism. Uh, he basically gets to the rim quite often. Um, he's only six foot one and a half. He can stand up and dunk the basketball with two hands going straight up. He's just he's he's a crazy athlete, and uh, he has a lot of skills. And he does a good job of of controlling those skills offensively and defensively. Uh, he does a great job on that end of the court for us, which ends up producing our offense. And also, he's our leading rebounder because of his explosiveness from a standstill position. A lot of guys can't do that. You talk about his dunking. Of course, there was a highlight sent out this weekend of his dunking prowess. 
And it's funny you say six one one and a half. Yeah, you're right. Once he jumps, he doesn't seem that. He, he seems like he's a six four six six guy who's just jumping out of the building. He's skying over everybody. That that weapon offensively and defensively has got to be a huge advantage to kind of give everybody else a little bit of not a break, but it doesn't put a lot of pressure on everybody else if you got a guy like him on the floor. Well, I'm always encouraging everybody to, to hit the offensive glass to to make sure you block out, just gain an advantage and get the rebound uh, because we're not big. Um, and it's been successful for us. The guys are buying into it, and they're they're doing a pretty good job. He's not the only one, obviously, uh, that does well. He just, as you said, fills the stat sheet. You got four, uh, three other guys in double figures. Adam Seablum at 14.5 points a game. He's uh, closing in on 1,000 points himself. You've got uh, Jake Ash- Ashworth at at 14 points a game. Uh, if you, he's, uh, he may bond. I think he's gone past 1500 or he's about to go past 1500. I've lost track. He's about to get 1500. Okay. That would make him the 15th person in program history to do that. You got Jake, uh, Jackson Zancan, 11 and a half points a game. Uh, and we shouldn't forget Sean Lee. He's at 8.6 points a game. I mean, that's a lot of weapons that in case either Azor is having a, an off night or he's getting really well guarded or the defense is kind of getting lazy. You got other guys are going to step up. That's helped us a great deal. When, when one guy is not shooting the ball or scoring the ball well, somebody else is there to pick it up. And we do have a lot of weapons. So it's I, all the years I've been coaching, my best teams have always been pretty well balanced you know, in the scoring department. And that, you know, when you're scoring a basketball, um, if you make a couple of mistakes, and you always do on the defensive end, when the, ba- when the ball goes in the hoop, it makes up for a lot of mistakes. So I mentioned three guys, Seablum, Ashworth, and Azor, all with a 1,000-plus, either about to get or, or have gotten. You also have Santos, who's got 1,000 points earlier this season, though 800 of them came in two years uh, previous at a community college, but still it points out to some of the scoring you can have at any given time on the floor. So those are those guys. Who are the others that we don't get to necessarily spot? Maybe the stats aren't showing their complete contributions to the team or it just doesn't jump off the table. Uh, you're right about J.C. Santos. He can he can come in and spark us and score 20 points a night uh, off the bench, and uh, he's a really good player. And uh, the other kids, uh, you got a uh, uh, Isaac Percy. He's a 6'3", 6'4", God skill, uh, can do a pretty good job of doing a lot of different things. And uh, he's a really good three-point shooter. And he had a little bit of a, a late start this year he had. He had a bad ankle injury that kind of set him back a little bit. He actually started for us last year, and uh, this year he's been coming on strong as the season goes. We use John Martins off the bench. John is a uh, he's a guy about 6'2 who can guard anybody. I can put him on the, the, the toughest guy on the other team, uh, you know, up to about 6'5, and John will do a good job of guarding a quick point guard or guarding a 6'5 guy who likes to play inside-outside. So those are, are huge contributions to our team. You you look back at the season again. Two losses coming in a span of three games. Uh, prior to the the first loss, you had wins over like MIT and Tufts and some others. But you lost to Brandeis around Thanksgiving by eight. Of course, Brandeis showing that they're a pretty good team this year. You then uh, lost around exam period to Eastern Connecticut, and really what was about the only game you played in six weeks. Lost by two on the road at Eastern. 
What was that stretch like? Was it just distraction central? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Dave. What What was that stretch like of those three games? Was it just full of distractions and 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 tough to keep everybody kind of on board? Yeah, I don't think we were playing as well as we could play at that time. But don't take anything away from Eastern Connecticut and Brandeis. Those teams are quality teams, both of them. And uh, I think that in the Brandeis game, um, they were bigger, stronger, bulkier than we were. And I have a, a new guy this year, Mike Urquhart, uh, who just joined us as a, uh, a new player. And as the season's gone on, he just got better and better. And I remember in that game, he got into, he got three fouls in about three minutes. <laughs> and he's our biggest guy, but he comes off the bench because Jackson's just a better all-around rounded skilled player. And uh, we got ourselves in a little bit of foul trouble, and uh, and that hurt us a little bit. So that that stretch was uh, was a tough stretch. It really was. I don't know if it was more time constraints or just the way the game went uh, that made it difficult for us. Fast forward, obviously not lost a game since. That's why you've only got two losses on the season. But you've caught everybody's attention January twenty second against Wesley, and you got them at home, and you beat them one hundred four ninety four. First off high-scoring affair, especially against Wesleyan. Second off, a big win over a team everybody's got their eye on this season. And while you guys were certainly getting some attention playing well leading up to that, it seemed like that might have been the coming-out party this season. What was it about Wesleyan you guys were able to take advantage of and get the victory there? Well, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I'm watching it from the sidelines, and uh, you see Wesleyan on tape. Hadn't seen him you know, in person in a few years. And uh, their size was, was tremendous. I mean, they looked like a Division I basketball team. Uh, but honestly, I mean, it was a, good, it was a great game. Could have went either way. Um, I just felt personally that my guards were more skilled uh, than their guards. And I thought that we were able to take advantage a little bit of our quickness and our guard skill play. And that was able to offset their, their size advantage that they had on us. Three of your next five games will be at home. You obviously are in control of the LEC right now. You've got uh, technically a two-game lead on Keene State, who's played two more games than you but lost two more. Uh, and and so far about th- two and a half, three games ahead of Eastern Connecticut, though they've got one on you so far. I think, I think you got that one back. You did on the 26th, 71-67. How important is it to stay at home and get everybody to come through you guys in the Little East to especially try and punch your ticket to the NCAAs? Well, I think home court advantage is huge. So uh, if we do our our duty from here to the end of the year, we should get home court advantage in the Little East Conference. And I think that makes a big difference uh, to any team. I I haven't even looked that far down the road to try and figure out, are you bubble or are you not bubble in terms of at large? I'm assuming the message in, in the locker room and in the offices and everything is, we just need to go out there and punch our own ticket. Go win the LEC. We don't want to be playing this at-large game. Well, I don't even take it that far, Dave. I take one game at a time. It's like this is who we got to concentrate on. You've heard that a thousand times, but it's the God's honest truth. Sure. It's, this team coming up, this is who we're focusing on. I know the guys are thinking about the NCAA tournament. I'm thinking about the NCAA tournament, but I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about let's take care of our business. Well, certainly. Didn't want to talk necessarily about the tournament, but just trying to make sure you guys are in the best advantageous position. Obviously, Keene State ahead of you. You beat them by 16. They're the ones sitting in third place in the conference. That certainly needs to be the priority. You slip up once or twice here. You don't get home court advantage, and you probably put yourself in a tough spot to try and punch a ticket the hard way. 
So how do you get the guys focused on that? How do you focus on just Keene State? How do you focus on just understanding we need to be at home for the LEC to make sure that we control everything we can control? Well, you know, I, I think it's what the coaches transfer to the players. And, and I believe that this team is really bought in uh, to what we're telling them. So if, if we're telling them, hey, guys, you have to concentrate, you have to do your best job at playing in this game right now and block everything out, everything will fall into place. So make sure you come and work hard in practice and make sure you come and you, you know, you're ready to play in the game. And that's basic stuff, but it's, that's basically it. What's this season been like? We look back to 2018, 19, you had you were 19 and eight. Prior to that, a couple 17 win seasons, a 16 win season. You got to go back to 2009 to find the last 20 win season, which is seemingly likely to happen this year. What's this season been like from your perspective on this on the sideline watching it all play out? It's been exciting. Uh, it's been exciting to watch these kids play. And uh, they surprise me at times. Uh, when we're playing and we're in a tough game, uh, actually, I wasn't the main game. It might have been our last home game. One of the officials, as he's running by, and he's saying, I tell you, you got a really mature, smart basketball team here. And I kind of just looked at him as he ran down the court. Didn't say anything, but yeah, you're right, we do. Um, they are mature and they make good decisions. And for me, uh, it makes a big difference. It makes practice a lot better. And uh, when you're winning basketball games, it just makes everything a little bit more exciting. Well, Coach, I'd love to talk more about everything. And you're in your 39th season. I can't only imagine what kind of basketball you've seen over the years. So that will probably be my last question. How much has the game changed, evolved? How much have you changed and evolved in the 39 seasons of basketball that you've been able to kind of watch in front of you? Well, the biggest change, Dave, has been the three-point line. I mean, when I started, uh, the three-point line wasn't in existence. Then it came in existence, and I was like, see, I'm not so sure. I want guys taking a step back to take a shot, but, you know, after you do all the analytics and the statistics, it's really worth it. Um, so I, I think I've developed in that, uh, that respect to embrace the changes in the game and, and try to figure out what works for us and what doesn't because we're a little bit smaller than – uh, than some other teams uh, when we are. I think that we really take advantage of that three-point shot. As far as my personality is concerned with the, uh, with the guys, I've always been a, uh, a disciplinary type guy, very organized, uh, very uh, strict about how we're going to go about our business. And I think uh, over the years, uh, that's lessened a bit, uh, more apt to talk to the kids and say, hey, what do you think about this and that? And, uh, and and go along with some of their uh, suggestions. But that's not to say, I remember early early on in my years, I would have a guard and I'd be teaching, uh, you know, how to play defense and how to, you know, deny and how to open. And then one guard really quick, he came up to me, says, coach, I can do it a lot better if I just lose sight of the man and, and turn and do it this way. And I said, you know what, Robert, you do it that way because you're right, you are very good at that. So, you know, the kids are the best part of this game. I mean, just being with them and, and coaching them and interacting with them is, is a whole lot of fun for me. That's cool. I appreciate it. That's a fun little story. Forgive the dog barking in the background. Puppy, who doesn't know that? You can't be, you can't be loud now. But he's our mascot, and we deal what we can deal with. Actually, it looks like 
He's getting let out. Very good. Uh, coach, appreciate the time. myself, so no problem. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time, uh, as always. Thanks for that. And, and, and as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, I was going to ask you a question, Dave. The, uh, the hoop, uh, d3hoop.com, the poll that comes out, and, and you do that. Who are the guys that uh, – I don't, I don't mean specifically, but I see that it's a bunch of coaches and SIDs and, and things of that nature. Am I right? Yeah, it's SIDs. It's coaches. It's, in, it's individuals like myself spread out around the country. Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> no, trust okay. me. It's funny because you're you're one of those teams I've got. I think the real issue is there's so much parity. It's hard to fit everybody in. I've got 40 teams I'm looking at in a general week, and I'm trying to shoehorn them into 25 slots. And I'm not sure I'm right all the time. I've got you temporarily on my on my top 25. And I say temporarily only because I haven't finalized it. I don't know. I don't know what everybody will finish when I finally send it in to Pat today. Um, but trust me, that Wesleyan game raised everybody's eyebrows. I, I, I don't know. I it is tough and and gauging everybody. And that's why I get coaches like you on the show. I want to learn more about your program so I can have a better understanding when I vote. Right. Well, you know, I've been in the past years. I've been on those committees for the uh, NCAA that yeah. picks the teams in the region. I've been the chair of that, um, so I know how how it all works out. But in those situations, we have certain criteria. I was right. just wondering if you guys. Use the win loss percentage. Use the strength of schedule percentage. Whatever a voter, whatever a voter feels needs to be their metrics for their decisions. There aren't okay. any specific ones. If there's a, if a vote is uh, seems out of place because either we screwed it up and we meant to grab somebody else and we grabbed the wrong school, or it doesn't seem right, it'll be asked. There'll be a gentle question to double check somebody's thinking. Uh, Pat did that to me earlier this year. He wanted to make sure I had a, the team I had in a certain spot was the team I meant to have in that spot. And it was, but you know, they'll, they'll be those questions if necessary. Otherwise, usually the track record speaks for itself. Um, and if a voter's wrong, they usually correct it themselves. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I'm curious why you guys aren't in there, but I, I think it's just that there are so many teams trying to fit in there. It is, it is tougher and tougher, especially this year with the parity plus the pandemic's impact. Trying to understand teams and who's the top 25 best in Division Three is has gotten more more difficult in the years I've been doing it than, than it's gotten easier. Oh, yeah, I can believe that. Hey, Coach, appreciate the time. I have a feeling you might sneak into that top 25 sometime soon. Just a gut feeling. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know all the voters, but we'll see how it plays out. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Nice talking to you, too. Great. Thanks, Brian Baptiste. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate that. Kind words. Uh, appreciate the time Coach gave us there. Uh, yeah, I think, listen, top 25, I think, is a legit argument for these guys. The back-to-back wins over Southern Maine this weekend certainly helps, especially the way they beat them. 18-2, uh, and two, again, overall, 10-1 and one in, in conference play. We'll keep an eye on the Corsairs. We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk Christopher Newport basketball. You're listening to Hoopsable. Brought to you by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. 
Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. back to Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also tweet us, uh, or you can Facebook message us, or join us on Facebook, something like that. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And we're live simulcasting the show on Hoopsville and on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Um, Alright, so we, we go from a team who's not in the top 25 to a team who is in the top 25, ran rather handily um, because, well, <laughs> they're... Uh, I just noticed my things off here. We'll fix it. Um, they're number four in the conference. Uh, Christopher Newport playing some darn good basketball, obviously, moving up in the rankings and positioned pretty nicely, if we do say so myself. Um, but also in a quirky situation when you when you look at uh, the conference play that they've got to deal with and so many other things. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the captains of Christopher Newport. On the men's side, it's John Krikorian. We talked women of couple while back now finally getting to your office coach good to see you how are you hey great dave thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here and uh yeah it is it is so cool to be uh you know to have the women uh, here at cnu and the men having such good seasons yeah no absolutely um we'll talk about the entirety of things at at, at cnu a bit in a moment but let's talk about the season i'll admit and I think I said this at the beginning of the show. I didn't know what to think of you guys coming in to the season. You and I talked last year. I knew what your purpose was last year. If there was no postseason, you wanted to just get guys games. You wanted to try some new things out. So I kind of looked at your games with kind of a shrug, like, I don't know what they're really doing, not doing, how good they really are. Not, I don't know what to take from last year to put into this year. It's kind of a jumble to me. And granted, you weren't the only ones. You guys came out, played well played against really good teams you've risen in the top 25 quickly was this what you expected did you i mean the consistency the programs had was that expected for this year yeah i can't say uh i can't say that it was to be honest i mean we had uh to go back to 1920 uh we had six seniors on that team right that 
you know, all came together at the right time and we were due to host a sweet 16 game. And I mean, that was the culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of seasons and a lot of, you know, and then it was gone. Right. right. And that was tough. And and so now we were in a little bit of a rebuilding mode, replacing those guys. Uh, and then last year was the COVID year, which as you said, you know, we didn't play any, any true games, some exhibitions. We tried to give some of the guys some experiences. We had some new guys. Um, and we were really trying to just set the groundwork. Uh, and my staff did a great job continuing to recruit. And so we came into this year with a schedule that, that I thought was a behemoth. Uh, and we've always scheduled tough here. Um, but as, as we looked at it, we knew this is, this is going to be a monster here. Uh, and if we if we are able to play well and if these guys are able to to rise to the challenge, uh, we'll be a really good team. And they've done that. And, and I couldn't be more proud of them. Uh, some newcomers and obviously some guys that have been there before in, in Final Four. So, so they have some experience. Yeah, I mean, definitely a behemoth of a schedule in a lot of different ways. Um, first off, 19 and two overall, uh, you guys went and played uh, in uh, at Roanoke College. And so you faced off against Marietta early on in that. But you already played Johns Hopkins the game before that. Uh, you've dipped into the the ODAC quite a bit, and we'll talk about the quirks on why you've had to do that. So you've had a lot of really good, challenging games in a schedule. Then the second half has been constantly moving on top of that. Obviously, with a change into the C to C, what was the CAC, and scheduling with all that, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you had to get a little bit creative at the beginning of the season. Did you intend to go out and get? as tough a schedule as you did, or did some of that just kind of fall into place? Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I mean, we, listen, I mean, since the day I got here, it was let's, if we want to be the best, we got to play the best. Um, and we're fortunate to be in a region where there's a, there's a lot of good teams to play within driving distance. I mean, we have natural rivals with Virginia Wesleyan, Randolph Macon, right. Lynchburg, Mary Washington, you know, so these are great. Uh, Hopkins and us have developed a little natural rivalry here. Like, there, there's so many really good games in our area that we can play. Um, and and th that helps us tremendously. So we would have played all those games anyway. Uh, but then to go to Roanoke and be able to play Marietta, uh, you know, that's a little bonus. And then in the second game, um, we would have liked to beat Marietta, but we play an Eastern team who has turned out to have a terrific season. Yeah. Um, and turned it's a marquee win for us at this point. So, um, and, and similar with games like Alvernia that we played here, uh, we've played some really good teams that have gone on and had really good seasons in their respective conferences. And, you know, the, the challenge for us is how front loaded and how many games we had to play back to back to back in short rest. Um, but the benefit is the opportunity we have now to to kind of get a little rest, uh, to tighten some things up and to get ready for this this final stretch. Yeah, the difference between the two schedules is incredible. Obviously, in November, you slammed them in. You played, let's see, three, seven games in a span of, uh, doing quick math, 23 days. Um, you then played a bunch of games in December, a whole mess of games, another nine games in December before the new year, threw in a couple more at the beginning of January, and really – uh, until January 8th, you played another whole mess of games. And then you kind of got some time, as you said. This is where the quirk of the C2C comes into play and somewhat of the pandemic. Because you've had a bunch of games that you've had scheduled that you've lost. And and if anything, 
you've turned into a, a travel secretary in terms of trying to figure out who you can play, where you can play, when you can play, who might be interested in playing. Can that game still happen? What's changed? What hasn't changed? To some degree, since what maybe mid-December, the schedule's been all over the place. Yeah, well, well, in all honesty, the the way that our schedule was front-loaded was a real benefit this particular year. Uh, because most of the games that were canceled with Omicron happened, you know, more towards the end of December uh, when the majority of our schedule was already complete. So we lost our game at York. We lost our game at Catholic. We were able to pick up uh, a game with TCNJ. So we'll only be down one game. And, you know, it really hasn't been, you know, this this little stretch of break we had in December was actually scheduled that way already. And it happened to be the time when most people were canceling games. So that's definitely luck of the draw. Um, we were able to play all those tough games and not lose some games that really, really helped us out. You know, had we had to lose a Macon game or a Lynchburg game or a Virginia Wesleyan game or a Hamden Sydney game, you know, our, our, our resume might not be as strong, but we were able to play all of those games. And they've all made us uh, so much better to play programs like that. Obviously, this C2C is a bit of a quirk. It feels like I'm looking at a schedule that's a hybrid of Thomas Moore, especially the women's side, when they were independent before leaving Division Three, where they had to just go and play anywhere to find games and, and to bolster their resume because they had no conference. But they wanted to be on a national level with a little bit of a conference play. I mean, you still have Salisbury and Mary Washington nearby who are conference mates, um, but you guys are willing to head out to California. I feel horrible for you to go to Santa Cruz. Uh, the, the view there I heard is horrific. Um, if anyone doesn't sense the sarcasm there, it's dripping. Um, to play, you went out there to play some games. The women went out to central Illinois the other day, played Wheaton, for example. Um, you guys have had to get a little bit creative. I get the reasons, and we'll talk about the CDC in more detail in a minute, but this can't be the future that you guys are doing this on a yearly basis, right? Dave, th- those decisions, uh, the conference that we're in, I have no control over that. Uh, I do think that as their challenges that, that you mentioned, I don't know what other kids are getting to get on a, on a plane and go to Santa Cruz, California and play in the Warriors G League arena uh, on back-to-back nights against a quality opponent. And I, man, I, I don't know if I'd trade it to, right now, to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, but Mary Washington and Salisbury are, are quality opponents. Yeah. Our strength of schedule is better than average at, at, to be, uh, you know, completely honest. And then we're in a region where we're able to play as many tough games as we need. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't look at, I look at, give me the parameters. This is what I'm going to deal with. All right. How do we get it done? Uh, and we know what we need to do. And I, and I think we've put a schedule together and uh, a lot of credit goes to my longtime assistant, Roland Ross, who he works the phones. He gets it done. We fill tournaments here. We, we go to tournaments that we think will help us. And uh, he's working the phones all day, every day and scheduling here is very, very important. But I think we've given ourselves an opportunity where we can play a strong schedule, but we can also give our kids an unbelievable life experience. Sure. Um, and, and that's pretty cool. I think these guys are going to remember, you know, 
touching their toes in the water, or in some of their cases, diving into the water uh, on the beach in Santa Cruz uh, more than they might remember some of the other things that take place this year. So uh, I love to be able to give these kids those types of opportunities uh, to be able to do it while playing competitive schedule. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know from the outside looking in, it might seem quirky and strange and, um, but I think a lot of credit has to go to our, our presidents and athletic directors who have found a way to make it happen so that our kids can have a really quality experience. I don't have the, uh, SOS numbers in front of me. I went looking for them there just now. I just realized I don't have them. Oh, I know how to get them. I'm not using my head. Um, but one quirk is usually we talk a lot about in a conference play, double round robin, and your SOS is going to get pulled a little bit closer to 500 as a result of that. To some degree, you guys don't have to worry about that because you're not necessarily playing an entire beast of a conference. And so you not only front-loaded your your schedule, you got into, the, into good conferences. You played teams like Marietta. You played into the ODAC, you're bolstering your resume without the pull towards 500. Some degree, you really are securing yourself a pretty good situation considering, oh, by the way, you only got a couple, a, a few losses here. You got to yeah, feel well, pretty you know, comfortable going into this point in the season. Well, following this thing for 15 years, it does take a few years to figure out how these SOS numbers work. And, the, the, you know, you know, you've been doing it forever, but that the leagues that play fewer conference games um, you guys talk about it every year. Uh, if you're willing to schedule up, you have an opportunity. Uh, obviously, if you win enough games, you give yourself a really good opportunity to play in the postseason. And, you know, when, when you have 18 or 20 conference games, as we did one year in the CAC, my first year, well, you're right. It, it, you're almost naturally going to be very close to 500. Um, and so that was challenging in its own way. So, you know, again, I think it's here's the parameters now. How do we get our, our highest SOS possible while maintaining, you know, some balance for our team with home games and, um, you know, just balance experience? And and how do we do that? And, and I think we've done it. Um, and you're absolutely right. It, it's provided some opportunity for us to go out and play uh, as competitive a schedule as we can. And I would anticipate us doing that and, you know, at least for the next several years to come. You're on a 16, 16 game winning streak, looking to make your sixth straight NCAA appearance, uh, tournament. You got this quirk coming up. You're playing a double round robin essentially with Salisbury and Mary Washington, your best buds nearby in the C to C. Whether that counts in the conference, I don't know, because you'll then have a conference tournament coming up on February 24th and 26th, which admittedly, what, four weeks ago, probably didn't look like it might happen. Now at least looks like it, like it can happen. A lot's been in the air, but to some degree, a lot of it you can't control. How do you keep just focused on the task at hand? Yeah, I mean, that that's easy. But And Coach Baptiste talked about it, and every coach will. I mean, we wake up in the morning as coaches and at this point in the year, and we are laser-focused on how is our team getting ready for the next challenge in front of us. That's it. That's what we do. And for us, it's Mary Washington on Wednesday. We've had tremendous – a tremendous rivalry with with Marcus Khan and Mary Washington. He's a, he's a close friend. Uh, I love him, and you know he's going to come in here and try to whoop us, and we're going to do the same. And, and and no matter what, we're going to make each other better. And our and our kids are going to love the experience. They're all mostly in state kids. Yeah, a lot of them played against each other. A lot of them are close friends. Um, you know, so name the conference whatever you want. Wednesday night is going to be a blast here at the Freeman Center. 
high energy, lots of fans, band playing, cheerleaders. Uh, and, and I know there's, these two teams are going to play their hearts out. Yeah. And, and that'll be the type of experience that helps uh, both of us get, get ready moving forward. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about this team. Uh, John John Hines leads the team, 14 and a half points a game, six, almost seven, really, seven rebounds a game. Uh, Jason Agner? Ag- I never say his name right. Agner. It is Agner. Okay. Uh, I apologize, Jason. 13 points a game. Um, doesn't have a lot of rebounds, uh, but, man, shoots real well, especially from beyond the arc. Uh, Trey Barber, 12 points a game, eight rebounds a game. And I, and I want to quickly mention Ty Henderson and Darian Peterson. Both could be in double figures as well. Uh, Peterson pulls in seven and a half rebounds, which is second highest on the team. And everybody distributes the ball. When I look at the statistical numbers, uh, Ty Henderson has the most, but it's quickly followed by Hines. And there's several other guys with a lot of points as well. This team seems like a team that's clicked well with each other, distributes the ball well with each other, and doesn't really care about who's going to be the star that night. That, that's 100%. And, and we talk often about how, you know, we value that when I look at a team and we don't do spend a lot of time on statistics, but assist turnover ratio, you know, I think is something that every player can gauge uh, in terms of how they are doing individually and maybe how a team is looks. Uh, and I've been this this team as much as any that I've coached. If you look up and down that roster, they share the ball and they take care of the ball. Uh, almost every single one of those guys has a positive assist turnover ratio where I think we're sharing the ball extremely well. Nobody cares who gets the credit. Um, we rebound the ball. This team rebounds the ball, uh, extremely well. And, you know, if you do those things, I think you, you give yourself a chance every night. The other stat that jumps out at me, and I, I literally had to pull out the calculator to make sure I was doing it right in my head. You guys average 6.6 blocks per game. Uh, Barber averages the most at almost, I want to say three and a half a game. Peterson's got about a block and a half a game. That's a lot of blocks. Um, and I could make a tongue in cheek joke about, um, statistics about blocks, but usually when the number gets up at a certain point, it's, it's because there's something going on. What's, what's happening there that you guys are getting so successful at blocking shots. Cause that can change another team's offense completely. Yeah, if if you've not seen us play a lot, you know, you wouldn't know. But if you if you have, you'll you'd see we have a, a really deep interior. We have the deepest, most athletic, uh, hard playing interior that that we've ever had here, and and they go after the ball. And like Trey Barber is elite. He's got a great knack for blocking shots. Darian Peterson does as well. Uh, and then we have a whole bunch of other guys that that are in there battling as well. Ian Anderson, uh, John Hines, these guys make it very, very difficult on opposing teams when they, when they break the three point line and try to go to the basket. Uh, and then, and oftentimes what's great about a lot of those blocks are not being blocked out of bounds, but they're leading to, uh, transition opportunities for us. Uh, so we are, you know, number one in the country in block shots. I knew we'd be, we good at it. Um, but we have become elite and these guys take pride in it. And I think it's really become part of our identity. Yeah, no, it's, it's significant uh, to say the least. I want to ask, I, I, we had a little fun with, with the women's coach on this, uh, your cohort, when we had him on, of course, I got to call the women's soccer championship, CNU punching its first national title in a, in a team sport. Um, Kind of breaking through finally for what it seems CNU has been on the verge of doing in a lot of sports. 
Has that put any, A, pressure on you guys, both men and women, Broderick and yourself, to, to now do what women's soccer has pulled off, and B, a little friendly wager between the two of you and who's going to do it first? Hey, I, I am so happy for our women's soccer team and Jamie Gunderson, and, and it, it, it was so cool. We've always had a close relationship with our women's soccer team. Uh, for whatever reason, our teams have bonded well. But, um, yeah, coaching at CNU absolutely comes with that kind of pressure. Playing a sport at CNU comes with that kind of pressure. You sure. walk around campus, it, whether it's the women's soccer team, the men's soccer team, the lacrosse team, the women's basketball team, uh, and there's a level of excellence that the coaches and the players kind of – we support each other, we go to each other's games, but there's also a little, you know, hey – you know, if you don't get there first, we're going to we're going to get there, you know. Um, and so this this is the year that, you know, now that Jamie kicked the door open, you know, I think everyone's like, well, shoot, it can happen here. Um, and, and that's, I think, pretty exciting. So there should be no shortage of belief in any of our programs now at this point. Um, by the way, uh, Jamie kicked it in, what, technically in his first season? Uh, I mean, he had the, the COVID year, but I mean. Just saying, you you and Broderick have had a little more experience. Uh, what's taking so long? Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I'll, I'll look forward to Jamie calling me in like five years saying, how come I haven't won it every year since, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that might happen. That could happen. Or maybe maybe he will, and, and the joke's on me. But uh, <laughs> he, he made the most of a great opportunity. I'm sure he'll continue to do so. And and uh, But yeah, this this stuff is hard. People talk about, hey, you know, where could you go and what could you advance and what can you do? Hey, the first criteria every year is can you win more games than you lose? If you do that, it's been an incredibly good season. Yeah, I learned that from some of the guys I worked for. I had guys I worked for. We got to 13 wins and it was a celebration because you guaranteed to have won more than you lost. Like, that's a big deal. Then it's, hey, can you can you continue to play in the postseason? That's a gift. You can have one of the, you know, we had a great team our second year in the CAC. We had 20 wins. We had, man, we were really good. I thought we could have beat anyone in the country. I thought we could have gone to the final four and we didn't even make the tournament. Yeah. You know, so, and there's going to be teams out there this year that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, a couple injuries had them lose a couple games they shouldn't have or whatever. COVID. And, and it happens all the time yeah. and it's tough. So, man, if we get to keep playing, it's a gift. That's all we're focused on right now is is getting ready for Wednesday and try to play as long as we can. And I got a group that really enjoys playing, Dave. I'll tell you what, if you, if you see us and when you see us, these guys love to compete. Like we'll practice later today. We'll roll the balls out. If we make it competitive at all, it'll be like, we'll have to pull the guys apart from each other. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun when you, when you come in the gym with that kind of energy. No, absolutely. No, it, it, you can tell watching your games, the guys are, are definitely gelled. Uh, and it's fun to watch. Hey, as I say to a lot of coaches, I could keep talking to you forever, but I got to get going. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate the insight on the team. Uh, tell Broderick we said hi. Tell Jamie I said hi. And by the way, he's got to get another forward if he wants to keep winning <laughs> to replace the stud he had up there. Um, but in the meantime, we always give the coach a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, no, thank you for the platform. Thanks for for letting me share about my team and our program and seeing you. And um, more than any this year with these kids, what they've been through with COVID for two years, just it's meaningful. And you guys are stepping your game up. I mean, you got more social media tags than I could. I, 
I could know what to do with. We're insane. Hopefully, you can get your spelling corrected on well, the D3 hoops board. It's minor, minor detail. <laughs> and, uh, you know, attention to detail matters, Dave. Don't forget yeah, I that. I know. And I don't know how that one's not passed. <laughs> Maybe it's appropriate. D3 oops. D3 oops. It is. Yeah. It's, it's probably fun. appropriate. Hey, thank, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate all you do. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you as well. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds great. John Krikorian joining us from Christopher Newport. Again, they got a game coming up against Mary Washington and Salisbury at home before playing at Mary Washington. Then the tournament for the C2C will be at uh, Christopher Newport. And, and teams are expected to be flying in from across the country for that. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're running behind, but we got to get going. Dixie Jeffers is going to join us next. Talk about retiring from basketball in the middle of the season and the challenge that has been the last couple of years. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game. Where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports. And what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Dot com.
For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville chatting with uh, Dixie Jeffers, our next coach here. Uh, uh, she's got a great background. You'll see in a moment. Uh, we were chatting about that. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Really, it's supposed to be hashtag D3Hoops, but somehow I forgot the H, so it's appropriately D3Oops. But if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, it's D3HOOPS. We will get that fixed before the next show, I assure you. I still don't know how that got on there without the H. Um... Though I can tell you, putting those things together is a little bit of a fight, but they look cool. Um, if for those of you listening to the podcast, we got these boards behind us that that, that light up, and it's just new. We're trying to be new. Uh, anyway, you got questions for us? Send them send them our way. You can also email us hoopsd 3 sportscom and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Switching gears, talking women's basketball. We're not doing a top twenty-five today conversation. We're going to save it for a week. But I randomly reached out to a friend of the show, and she agreed to come on. And I was kind of curious about what it's like, essentially. Uh, well, to decide to retire mid-season. Uh, we got the surprise on Christmas Eve as we're all settling in for a nice weekend that Dixie Jeffers had decided to hang it up. And then I got told what I hadn't realized. She hadn't even coached the last few games. Dixie was already packing her office, apparently. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, Dixie Jeffers joins us, the former Capital uh, Interim Athletics Director and Women's Basketball Coach. First and foremost, Dixie, good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. You look great. Well, thank you. As always, uh, a matter of fact, you're the first one to reach out to me. And uh, to no surprise, you're always on top of everything. And, <laughs> yeah, my family uh, wasn't great. happy. <laughs> I feel great. And um, it's been a different adjustment, but I'm still adjusting. I got the news and I, I, I got in touch with a few other people. You probably can guess, like, what is this all about? And of course, did you know and not tell me? And then finally said, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'm going to text Dixie. If she if she doesn't want to talk, she's going to ignore the text. That's fine. To be honest, she's done that before. Lots of people have done that before. You're busy. No problem. So I text. It's Christmas Eve, too. Let's just be honest. I'm like, ah, da, 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 da. And I put the phone down because, honestly, that was all I was expecting. <laughs> My watch chirps a moment later and you responded. I was blown away. What led to the decision? Because, listen... Am I surprised you decided to retire? No. I'm more surprised it happened mid-season. I'm more surprised it kind of felt like it came out of the blue. You and I have been chatting, I think, a few weeks earlier just about general stuff, nothing in particular. What drove you to just finally decide, you know, enough's enough. I'm, we're good. There, there's a lot of things, I think, that play into it. And I don't sure. think anybody plans a retirement. Fair. And... um. I always wondered, and I always asked people, I said, when will you know? And all my friends that retired before me said, oh, you'll know. So I was questioning things for a while. And um, I came back from Michigan. And right before Thanksgiving, I couldn't even coach after Thanksgiving because I contracted some other virus to the point where I couldn't even have Thanksgiving with my family mm -hmm. again. And they had to bring nurses into the house and so forth to, to give me antibiotics and so forth and to take care of me. And, and I started to question then, what's going on here? And is this all worth it? 
and doing the athletic director's job, a lot of people cautioned me on continuing to do both jobs a second year. And I kept thinking, no, I'm invincible. I can handle all this and, and keep going. And to be honest with you, totally exhausted. It became such an exhausting affair um, to handle everything. And if you, as you well know, people that know me know that I don't do anything lightly, that I go full speed on everything I do. And it just got to the point where I had to step back and think about my health, think about what was right for my family. And my husband had retired at the end of the school year last year. And I'm sitting here going, this just doesn't make sense to me anymore. It makes sense for us. So I did it. So quickly to recap, it was something that wasn't COVID? No. Okay. They, they said it was a terribly bad in, uh, sinus infection, whatever oh. it was. I was very sick. So, I, I got bad ones, but I can't imagine ever in a situation that you described. Um, luckily, they're, they're a bit of my past, but I understand what you mean by sinus infections. But it, it's scary enough, and especially when you're getting advice, as you said, from those saying, you got to stop both of these. We should point out, again, you were interim AD for almost two years? Almost two years. I got to beg the question, first off, why didn't they pull the interim tag, or did the pandemic just cause enough chaos that they hadn't gotten to it? And secondly, was that a job you wanted to continue on if if things – take the health out of it, if, if things were okay? I'll tell you what. I, I am very, very proud of how I reshaped the athletic department in the short time that I had it. Um, totally believe in the people that I hired and started to reshape and, and the direction that we were headed. But it really wasn't something that I wanted. I had told my husband that I felt that I had taken the department as far as I could possibly take it. And I was willing to go back downstairs and just finish out the coaching career. And then, like I said, the exhaustion period just hit. And that was it. Fascinating. Um, no, I, you and I have talked a lot, um, especially during the pandemic, with what you were doing in terms of having to, to manage things. And I, I remember you describing how one floor was set up one way of, of the building so that teams could come and go and nobody would interfere. So just so you could get games in and other floors another way. And we were talking about the realities of whether the NCAA tournament could happen. Uh, I don't want to give too much that it may not want to be shared because it was between you and I, but it fully gave me a better appreciation from an administrative perspective one that is also using the NCAA tournament or or even hosting championship weekends, like I know Capital and and the greater um, Columbus area has done. It gave me a better appreciation, first off, that we weren't going to have tournaments. Uh, but yeah. Not that we had that factual, but just understanding the logistics, it, the reality was a reality. But second of all, that the pressure that individuals like yourself, who, by the way, are also coaching, have on top of them. And I can understand where, where that all becomes more of a challenge. Obviously, if the pandemic doesn't happen, we're talking about a different situation here. Maybe you're still coaching. Maybe your health's fine. Maybe doing both jobs isn't isn't the end of the world. But did you ever consider, all right, listen, maybe I need to stop coaching and just do AD? Or was coaching too strong that's either I'm coaching or I'm not doing anything? I think the coaching part was too strong. Um, even though things turned out the way it is, I feel terrible for the kids that I left behind, especially, you know, Emma and Brooke, my two seniors, but I stayed in contact with them. And um, it, it sometimes, you know, I'm not a person that ever really stops to think about me. And 
for the first time in my life, I think I stopped and thought about me and us as a family. Um, Capital got everything they could possibly get from me, more sometimes than what I could give to my own family. And my daughter's coaching, and I got to watch her coach her her middle school teams, and she just lost in a um, in a championship game. But I couldn't have been more proud of her. Uh, her game plan was spot on, and she didn't call mom and ask first. She went ahead and game planned it, then called mom, and then said, "She said this is what I'm going to do." And I said, "Well, make sure you do this, this, and this." And and she did really well, and I'm really proud of her. And those are things I have always had to pass up on for the several last years walking in the winter snow I don't generally get to do that and I'm getting to do that right now and you know I think the crazy thing for me right now I still haven't had time to really reflect on the career because I've heard for so many alumni former parents and I'm, I'm telling you I'm gonna have to go on a diet as many lunches and dinners that I've been doing yeah I you can probably get enough meals and drinks for the rest of time <laughs> and, and be totally fine uh, just on, I'm having a good time with that, okay? Well, just on your alumni basis. Listen, you were 35 years with the university. Uh, I'm just reading the press release, which, by the way, was interesting. It came out via the institution first, just as an aside. That's not typical, um, but it, it is what it is. Um, just fascinating. 35 years. Uh, again, uh, you reached the 700-win plateau, 741 to be exact. Um that's a lot of wins. And, and it felt like it was just like, it, it, you know, I, there's a, there's a saying in Baltimore. Here's what I'm trying to get at. There was a saying in Baltimore for a long time, death taxes and Cal Ripken. It felt like for a long time, it was in, especially at capital, but in division three women's basketball, to some degree, death taxes and Dixie Jeffers or capital women's basketball. You were going to be in the conversation. You were always going to be part of that conversation as a coach and as a program, for so long that I think that was the part for me that just struck me around Christmas was, wait a minute, the rest of the season doesn't have Dixie. Yes, it might have capital. I know the team wasn't having off to as great a start as, as it had been in the past, but you're not technically a part of everything. I think for us, that's even hard, but for you, how has that transition from going from full bore to zero, how's that transition gone? Well, it's went incredibly well. My husband keeps waiting for me to, to do have some kind of breakdown or something. And he goes, I'm just amazed at how well that you're doing. He goes, you're doing better than I am. I said, oh, so you, you want me to go get a job or something? And he starts laughing. <laughs> but we, you know, I, I brought all my stuff home and I've taken the downstairs basement and I call it the locker room. It's now became the crusader room and uh, it feels like home to me. I love it. I, I, I'm a person that once I move forward with something else, I don't tend to look back. I have incredible memories there. It's the relationships that I'll always, always cherish. And I still have many of those relationships. Um, like I said, the lunches and the dinners uh, have been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it may not be the end of the story. For right now, it is. Um, I've enjoyed being able to get the, the much-needed rest that I needed. And I'm enjoying so-called retirement to its fullest right now by the way the backdrop is awesome i absolutely Thank love you. it it is giving me new ideas i don't know if i can do a full thing like that but i got ideas my wife and i talked about this i might take a page out of that um that's for 94 95 uh, national championship team so that is you cool. can uh, believe me i enjoy the memories looking at that i am sure one thing that's amazing i don't think people talk enough about you talked about your daughter um 
Julie Folks down at Transylvania, Andrea Preston at, at Goucher. Um, there's a rich coaching tree of not only great players that turn coaches, but even just players you had on your program who became pretty solid coaches. We talk about coaching trees in other realms. I don't think I appreciated yours as much either. What does it mean to you, the legacy that you're leaving? I, um, you know, again, I haven't really stopped to think about it because I've stayed in touch with most of these people and Denise Beerley's out Eastern Connecticut. Um, I still have OEC coaches calling me and saying, hey, what about this? Which is kind of interesting, you know, saying, and I'm going, okay, you're right. I'm not, you know, I'm not the opponent anymore. I can sit here and talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's been interesting too. Um, you know, I, I hope that they, they, I know that they understand the work habits and the grind. Even Camille at Capital still understands the grind because it is a grind and that's what people don't understand how much you give of yourself for someone else's kids. Yeah. But um, I always taught them to be honest, always taught them to work hard, always taught them to give the best that they had to their student athletes and to lead by example. And I think, I think about Julie and I think about Andrea in particular, there's no two other people better in the business right now that continue to do that. Yeah. I love Andrea. I wish her program could be doing better, but I know it's not from a lack of effort. Um, no, it's what, not from lack of effort. She, no. she hits it hard. Yeah, she does. Um, right now she's throwing things at the computer, wishing I'd shut up. Um, <laughs> do you wish you got the opportunity for a swan song? In other words, a, a trip through the OAC where coaches could give you your, your just do, or are you glad you did it this way? I'm glad I did it this way. Yeah. I'm not one that needs a lot of fanfare. Yeah. Um, things, good, incredible things have happened to me in my life. And regardless what people that know me know, this isn't my, my nature to have to be out front on everything. Um, I love to see the product going. I, and I, I, and even though how hard I worked for the game of basketball, I'm really, really proud of, of how I helped reshape what the, the national championship looks today for division three. Daniel Donahue has done an incredible job, continues to work really hard for women's basketball, but being able to take it and start to reshape it, it, it looks much differently than what it did when I went through what was going on from the national committee at one point. And I think the student athletes are getting their due justice now with the all-star game joining. And hopefully it's going to continue to go ahead and go off this year again with Pat Manning and, and that great group. Cause I sat on that committee and I, I loved all those people, Brian Morehouse and, they just do such good work. And those kind of things can need to continue to happen. And it's like I told the, the people on the committee, I said, the work's not done. The work's just beginning. Mm -hmm. There's so mm -hmm. much more work to do. And now you younger people are going to have to pick up what we have done to continue the road to success. No, I'll freely admit, when I look at things from the WBCA perspective, there's been individuals, you and I have talked in a ton off air about a lot of that stuff and, and, and improving those things. And I think of Pat Manning, I'm like, this is great. But at some point you all will step aside and somebody else yep. has to come up. And I think about it on the NABC side too, you know, nothing against the Charlie Brock's of the world, but there's gotta be the younger group that starts stepping in. And, and sometimes it happens naturally, but Danelle Murchison on the, on the West coast yep. at coast. And you've got uh, Jill Congrove that's on the committee. Yep. Those are strong, good coaches, young coaches that, give us that diversity piece and also give us the, that, that winning attitude and so forth. And those are the young women 
And there's young men still in the business that are good, you know, that need to keep the movement going because Brian's done an incredible job too. You, you, you did change or help change so much. Again, you talk about adding the all-star game. I know that was something that you and, and Pat Manning and the rest really badly wanted to do. It took some time. It wasn't as easy as the NABC had it, but you got it accomplished. You also, I mean, look, this year we're going to have it on CBS Sportsnet, the women's tournament. We should point out, by the way, those games will be on Thursday and Saturday this year in a little bit of a quirk, or Thursday, Friday in a little bit of a quirk. We'll talk about it later down the road. But again, the game <laughs> will be on network, um, which is something that hasn't happened. You you got, you got guys hosted it along with Salem to try and make it a bigger deal instead of this constant rotation of places that didn't even know right. it was taking place. There's a lot that's changed there. And so this, it begs this question, Dixie. It begs this question, especially for how much Columbus does. Where's your next move? And is it still to be somewhat involved in this stuff per Columbus's kind of Salem-esque role in, in the NCAA and, and ex- extracurricular events? Well, let me tell you about Linda Logan, um, a dear friend and has just done incredible things for the city of Columbus and for basketball, and particularly Division Three women's basketball. Um, it's a great partner when I was at Capitol with her, and she continues, and there's another uh, Final Four that will be in there another couple of years. And they just continue to want those national championships back in there and to keep profiling. Um, i got to tell you, I went down to the Women's Volleyball National Championship. Unbelievable. It replicated the Women's Basketball Championship almost to a T. Um, packed house crowd was incredible. They just do an incredible job with what's going on. Yes. I'm still going to stay involved. Yes. I'm still going to, to gender equity meetings. I'm still involved with, with the city and so forth. I'm not going to go and crawl in a hole because that's not who I am. Plus I still want to make a difference and it's just going to be in a different capacity. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could go happen and possibly happen. I just, I'm not even looking to work right now. I just want to continue to enjoy what I'm enjoying right now. Well, hey, listen, first off, thank you for what you've done with women's basketball. And from my perspective saying that, it sounds maybe a little bit strange. But there's a lot of reasons that WBCA has gotten involved with hoops. So you're certainly one of them. But what you've done, and I've tried to understand better is what you wanted to emulate and get bigger with women's basketball. You've been a cheerleader and an ambassador of women's basketball to the nth degree. And I've loved every conversation I've had with you about what it could be. I leave it always going, this is awesome, or this is great. I can't wait. So congratulations on the retirement, but thank you for what Let you've done. Let me say done. one more thing. No, no, we'll get there. It. I'll get you there. Hold on. Okay, I just I want to wrap my only, end up by saying I thanks, wanna, but well, congrats on your career too. I appreciate that. But what you have done for Division Three women's basketball is incredible. And my colleagues and I, for the last 10 years especially, always say, where would we be without D3 hoops jumping in and, and Dave McHugh being there and, and doing the different things that you've done? You have brought a profile to women's basketball that shouldn't go unnoticed as well. And because of you and your efforts and, and what you're doing, I mean, Look at your little place. Look where you started and to what you have right now. Um, the following and everything. So kudos to you and, and thank you. But I do want to make a plug for Debbie Antonelli's Nothing But Net with Special Olympics. Oh, that great. Is that is something that I am involved with and that we're trying to do. 
and we're going to do a challenge in uh, May 14th. There's going to be a challenge in the OAC, and that's when Debbie will go on ESPN and so forth and start to shoot her 100 free throws, and we're trying to accompany her on that because the funding, whatever we raise, stays in the state for your Special Olympians oh, that's cool. of your state. So it's a great cause, and, and uh, Debbie and I got this together in the fall, and I want to th- see that through and so forth, and the OAC is working on that right now. No, great plug. Uh, keep us informed, if you don't mind. I'd, I'd love to know more about it. Thank you for the kind words, but honestly, it's all of you behind the scenes who helped let us do what we need to do. Um, uh, I appreciate it, though. Coming from you means a lot, and I do, I do appreciate that. Uh, I've taken a lot of your time. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those as you as you enjoy your retirement before we let you go? Well, I, I'm a huge Bengals fan and have been ever since Paul Brown went down there. And I'm from a family of six brothers and a father just loved Paul Brown. So who day, baby? Who day? Very well said. Enjoy Sunday, please. Thank, thank hey, you very much. Dixie, I know this was last minute. It means a world to me that you, you agreed to come on. Please don't be a stranger. If you want to come on and chat women's hoops or something else is important, please let us know. We will find the spot for you and we will get you on. We love chatting with you. Enjoy retirement and take your time. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. That's the best I can say. I feel very, very blessed with the career that I've had and blessed with the people I'm supported by. So thank you very much. Well said. Dixie, take care. Good luck. Thank you. Dixie Jefferson was joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Doesn't get better than that. Really, seriously. Love Dixie. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our women's conversation with two basketball players who are now coaches. We'll talk to keen men, women's basketball coach Mandy King and then women's basketball coach at Milliken, Olivia Lett. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoop Show, running late. And you know what? We've been good this season. Not on this show. Not doing well on this show. Going to keep things moving. Got two guests left, and the second one was supposed to start right about now, and we're just getting to the next one. Anyway, we'll keep it moving. Got questions for us? Tweet us, email us, Facebook us, whatever you want to do. Information scrolling at the bottom of your screen, and, and yeah, it's supposed to say D3 Hoops, but it says D3 Oops. Maybe it was on purpose. A little Freudian. All right, talking NJAC, we're used to Montclair State kind of leading the way there, but if you look at the standings, they're not on top right now. It's a little bit of a, a jumble in terms of what the NJAC looks like this year, but what jumps out at me is Kane, 12-2 and two in the conference. They have uh, six losses. Believe it or not, four of them came in the opening five games of the season. Since then, they've been on a tear with only two losses, of course, one of them being to Montclair and one of them being to Rowan in conference play, but they're on top of conference action in women's basketball. So it's about darn time we got into the end, Jack, and talked about what's going on in that conference. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline with a pretty cool background, I must say. Uh, it's Mandy King, the head coach of the 14-6 and six Cougars. Uh, Cougars, right? Hold on. Yeah, I'm right. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor uh, to be here with you and have a chance to talk about such a special group of young women. I'm no. so excited. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate it myself. Let's just start about the beginning. Again, four losses in the first five games. Now, lost to NYU. Looks pretty good right now. Lost to Marymount. Who knows what that looks like right now? They're, they're, they're finding their waves. You beat Baruch, then lost to Stevens and Gabrini. Usually pretty good coach teams. But I'm kind of curious, your take. In the first 10 days, you play five games, you lose four of them. 
that can derail a program for the rest of the season. What was going through the team at the moment? How are you all doing with that opening stretch? Yeah, it was uh, one of the toughest schedules that um, I've ever put together. And I got to tell you through the middle of it, I was doubting myself. <laughs> um, but you. You know, we have a we have a great group of seniors that understand uh, what it takes to be successful. And and this is their last chance at winning the NJAC. And we knew in order to be prepared, um, you know, for Montclair, for Rowan and for the grind that is the NJAC that we had to play some of the best teams and um you know, going up against NYU and Marymount and Cabrini and Stevens, it really prepared us for NJAC play. And, you know, thankfully, we just had seniors that understood that um, it was all about how good can we get by November 23rd when we see Montclair. And they really bought into it and just kept working hard. And, and their example was something I'll never forget. Well, that was the thing. Two games later, you beat Brooklyn and then you beat Montclair. They're 14 and 7. It's not like Karen doesn't have a really good program year in and year out. That had to be a significant win, not only because it helped kind of springboard you into the rest of the season and what you are what you're doing now, but more importantly, that's been the Goliath of this conference for years. And getting that win had to feel good just from a perspective of great, we finally got that one, and that can that that's huge. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Montclair is the standard and and really they're playing as good as anybody right now as well. So, um, you know, it's a tough league. And uh, again, being able to beat a Montclair team, um, you know, it just gives your kids a lot of confidence um, that, you know, you can now set the standard for the league as well. When you look at since then, again, on a tear, you lost to Rowan on the road on December 4th in a low scoring affair and you lost to Montclair. Karen got you back. Uh, at their place on January 19th, again in a low-scoring affair. What jumps out at me is when you guys play your game, you're going to put about 60-some-odd points on the scoreboard. You're going to hold your opponents to about 40. But if the flip happens, if they're if you're having an off night on offense and, they're, and, and the defense is able to kind of stifle you guys, it's a tough, tough go. It. Is, is that a fair way of looking at how you guys have played your games this year? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, this has been probably the best defensive and rebounding team that I've had, um, at, at Kane in quite some time. And, um, you know, it's actually surprised us that our offense hasn't really gotten going yet. Um, you know, we just haven't shot the ball and that's attributed to the tough defenses in this league and, and the great coaches. Um, you know, but I, I, I have such a gritty group that no matter what happens, like if shots aren't falling for us, um, my guys are going to find a way to win. And um, I just believe in them so much. And, um, you know, we're just really fortunate that our defense and rebounding has held us in games. And then, you know, we have Shannon McCoy. And at any point, Shannon McCoy can change a game. And it's been a blessing to have her in in our program. And I'm just, I can't wait to see what this group accomplishes next. We'll talk about the individuals in a moment. You mentioned Shannon, uh, but I want to talk about something that jumps out at me when I look at the stat sheet. A lot of teams, especially having great seasons, it looks like this. You know, statistically, you're having a great season. When I look at yours, I'm, I kind of scratch my head because shooting percentage almost identical to your opponent. Three point shooting pretty much identical to your opponent. Free throw shooting about identical to your opponent. Rebounding about identical to your opponent. Scoring about identical to your opponent. When you look statistically at the team numbers, nothing jumps out. And, and that's not a knock. That's more raising the question, what is it about this unit that's done so well? Granted, 
some of those stats could be thrown off by those a couple of those losses that that certainly didn't go in your favor. But what is it about the team that we're not seeing statistically that is clicking and, and making you guys so successful this year? Well, I think first of all, it, it really just shows how good the league is, you know. Um, so I think you know, just a credit again to the the great players and great coaches and teams in this league. That's why it's it's so even across the board. I know coaches like to say on any given night, anybody can win, but truly in the end, Jack, yeah, anybody can win. And, um, you know, so that's why I think it's so balanced, but this group, um, you know, they have, they, we have four seniors and that who lost in the champ and Jack championship as freshmen. Yeah. Um, and they've really bought into our system. They're a tough group. They're very disciplined and they're together and they play with a joy that's just unmatched. So, they just have it, (laughs) you know, it's not, and, and again, there isn't really a situation that they haven't been in, in these last four years. So I think their experience keeps them calm, keeps them locked in the moment. And all of these games have come down to one or two possessions that could have gone either way, but our girls really find a way to make that play when it matters most. And then they have the confidence to go in. You're talking about Shannon McCoy, uh, 16 and a half. Well, really almost 17 points a game at 16.8 shoots 32% from the floor. She's leader in rebounding at 7.8. She's second on the team in assists. She's second on the team in steals. There's a lot. She certainly, well, shoots 85% from the free throw line on top of that. There's a lot of things she does. Well, tell us a little bit about Shannon and, and how the team feeds off of her. Uh, Shannon is a once in a lifetime student athlete. Uh, she's a 4.0 student mm. and it's impossible to have a bad day around Shannon McCoy. She just, she plays the game with so much joy. She loves her teammates. She's completely humble. And when she's making shots, we feel like we can't be beat. So it's like, you know, we talk all the time about that character drives winning. Um, and she is the best example of that, that I could, that I really have ever seen, you know, in my career as a coach. And um, it's just, a, it's just an absolute pleasure to, to be her coach. Um, and she's really competitive. She comes from a competitive family and, you know, she's this joyful kid, but she is so competitive. Like she is going to find a way to win and she's fearless. You know, uh, she's, she's going to play with a lot of courage and she's going to try to make everybody around her better. And, um, you know, she really believes in herself and in her teammates and it, it makes us a pretty powerful force. Brittany Graff, second on the team, 12 and a half points. Um, shoots pretty well, except for free throws. I'm, I'm sure you'd like to talk to a lot of players about their free throw shooting. Um, and we got other players. I, I certainly want to mention Sarah Olivia uh, Olivero, apologize, Kayla Anderson, uh, Macy Seaman, and, and others. You play a lot of players, too. You go deep on the bench. How important is that as you now get into the back end of this grind and head towards NJAC play, knowing that you're probably going to have to win the NJAC to punch a ticket to the NCAAs. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think like the, the first thing um, that you mentioned was Brittany Graff. And I wanted to go back to that because I don't think she gets enough credit. She really is the heart and soul of our team. And I think a lot of our players have gotten recognition, but she is a two-way player that just finds a way to win. Um, and the only flaw is are the free throws, <laughs> like as you mentioned, but uh, we're just not going to talk about that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but she, uh, you should, it's like anytime there's a 50-50 ball, anytime there needs to, you know, you need, we, we need to score off our defense, she's going to make a play. 
you know, and she just, she does a really good job in pick and roll situations and she raises the level of everyone around her. So I'm so happy that you talked about her because the statistics are there, but um, you know, it's, it's everything else that a stat sheet doesn't show that makes her so special. So thank you for, for mentioning her, the heart that she plays with is, is something that's pretty admirable. Before we oh. we jump off topic on the team, you got three games left: two on the road and one then at home to finish it off against William Patterson, Stockton, Rutgers, Camden, William Patterson, and then hopefully the conference tournament comes through you. That's at least how it's positioned now. How important is that? Again, with with the the fact that the NCAA tournament probably has to be punched as an AQ, how important is it that they got to come through the Cougars' den and and not you going on the road? You know. <laughs> In the past, like in, you know, uh, three years ago, when we went to the championship. We were on the road the entire time. Um, and I've seen teams make, you know, make beautiful runs um, on the road. So, you know, we've emphasized being able to win on the road so that we can play at home. But we certainly know that um, these championships can be won in any way. Um, but I think this year it could be a factor because there's a new tournament set up and you're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You know, so I think, not, you know, being able to be at home is going to help just with recovery for the girls. Um, and you can stick to a, a routine, you know, with their uh, rest and nutrition and um, hopefully getting a little bit of sleep and, and continuing to get some reps up to try to get, you know, continue to improve. So I think it, that will have an impact and the depth of your bench, I think, will be more of a factor this year. Um, but again, we know better than anything, anybody that anything can happen. So we're just trying to beat Stockton on Wednesday. <laughs> You've got, you're in your 10th season at Kane. Interesting enough, you came from Washington and Lee prior to that, where you spent eight seasons. Curious what, what drove you to come to the NJAC out of what was a pretty good ODAC. Granted the NJAC's eh, maybe a better women's conference. I don't know. It, it depends on the year, but what makes the decision to leave a WNL program to come to an NJAC program? Yeah, it was it was really a difficult decision to leave Washington and Lee. Um, you know, we built that program and had won a conference championship. Yeah. And, um, you know, I loved my players there. It was a really difficult decision. But um, I did my graduate work at the College of New Jersey. And, um, you know, having the opportunity to come back to the NJAC, and uh, I just thought was an opportunity to be, successful on the national level. And, you know, as a player, I had the opportunity to uh, play for a national championship and it shapes everything that I do as a coach now. And, you know, my goal was to not only win, win the NJAC, but to win a national title as a coach at Kane. And I felt like the, all of those things could be done. So, um, you know, it's really an honor to be here. We teased ahead of time. You're a former student athlete in Division Three. You played at Southern Maine under the great Coach Pfeiffer uh, back <laughs> back in the late '90s. We were talking off air before the show or the segment started. I think I ended up watching your team on local TV. If it wasn't the championship game, it might have been the semi. If it wasn't the semi, it might have been the previous weekend when I was up in Maine skiing at Sunday River, honestly, um, with a friend. That was my introduction to the larger picture of Division Three. Obviously, I knew it from my institution. So kind of interesting. You were under a really good head coach with a really good program. Is that what kind of got the coaching bug into you? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we had a terrific athletic director in Al Bean, and I had a gr great coach in Gary Fifield. And, um, you I know, and Pfeiffer, then... didn't I? How did I <laughs> yes. do that? Yeah, Fifield. Sorry. <laughs> Just realized I misspoke on that. 
Odd. <laughs> um, I figured you just had a nickname for him. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, to be completely honest. Um, never said that in my life. But yeah, it was a, it was an incredible experience. And my best friends are still my teammates from that time. And, you know, that experience as a student athlete and having, you know, a chance to go to a final four and have it on your home floor was something I'll just never forget. And it does, it drives everything that I do as a coach, because I want my girls to have that experience uh, because, you know, again, winning at that level, it just helps fuel the sisterhood that you have a chance to create during your college years. And, um, you know, things are hard and you want a whole uh, group of women that are going to be there for you when times are good to celebrate that and to have your back when it, when it gets hard. And so I think that's what we've continued to do, you know, um, as a staff is, is to build that sisterhood and we understand what's important. Um, Wash, you came through your neck of the woods, I think. Was it, were they yeah. in the championship game that year? Yes, they were. Was that the run where they were undefeated? I'm trying to double check their their undefeated stretch. 98 sounds about when they were going through that undefeated stretch, right? It was there. They went, I think they won the next three or four in a row. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it no, was incredible. I, I couldn't remember. I finally, oh, here we go. 98. Oh yeah, they had lost. So yeah, you're right. It was the next uh, two seasons where they went undefeated um, and, and set that mark of 80 plus. So, I mean, you're also going up against one of the best programs. It was literally the two best programs in division three going at it on your home floor. Did you appreciate that at the time? Oh, not at all. You know, I thought just everybody had an opportunity to win 20 games every year and go to the final four and <laughs> host a national championship. Spoiled. You know, I was pretty spoiled as a player. And, uh, you know, I thought it would just automatically happen as a coach. <laughs> sure. So, um, <laughs> that's what I thought at 26. I've learned a, l a little bit more <laughs> since then. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was just an incredible experience and um, I'm so grateful for it, for all the people that, you know, are still, you know, in my life because of that experience. Random question. Is it hard to look at your alma mater and not see that same success continue understanding it's hard to, to keep going anyway, or is it understandable? Hmm, I think, um, I, I think it's understandable. Um, you know, sustaining success like that, it would be, it's really difficult to do. Um, and I, I think coaching gets harder and harder every single year. And, um, you know, the standard was set really high while we were there. Um, and, um, but I certainly wish them the best of luck and I'm hoping they, you know, year by year, they get back to the place where, um, you know, we can talk about winning national championships again. Back to your team. You've got three games left in the regular season, as we mentioned, then possibly three games in the tournament to try and punch your ticket. What's the message to the team in the locker room and, and, you know, whether on the practice court or wherever about getting through this next run? Um, you know, we've talked just about the little things, just making sure that, you know, that all those little things are going to lead to improvement every single day, every single moment. Um, and we've been using the, you know, the theme one play, one life. And so it keeps you locked into the moment and then understanding you only get one chance to do this. And so I think our girls have, really bought into that and they try to live it every single day. And, um, you know, I think something magical is going to happen if we can stay locked in. Well, I appreciate the time, the insight on your team. Thanks for coming on and being a little bit adaptive to us as we're running late here. Uh, as always, you give the coach though, the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for covering these young women. Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of their courage um, you know, it's young women and coaches across the country as, you know, we navigate this pandemic and uh, continue to find ways to bring joy uh, and help people feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And, um, you know, and just a reminder that, 
man, we, you know, you only get one opportunity to do this, you know, so we get a chance to coach and play a game that we love with people that we care about. And it just doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. Well said. Well said indeed. Well, good luck the rest of the way. Seriously, uh, looking forward to seeing how the NJAC plays out and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Mandy King joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. We'll take a quick break. We'll talk to another former student athlete, now head coach of a women's basketball program. Olivia Dillette joins us from Millican. They're also having a pretty darn good season. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline as we get back on, well, I jumped the gun there a little bit. I should say, welcome back to Hoopsville. We're in our penultimate segment. We'll wrap up the show after this one as we're running a little bit late. But if you got questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Trust me, it's hashtag D3Hoops. I, I just ignore the board that we're going to fix before the next show over my shoulder. Um, continuing the theme, Women's basketball teams who are being coached by former student-athletes. One of the student-athletes that was tearing up the CCIW for a long time was Olivia Lett when she was at Illinois Wesleyan. Now she's kind of tearing things up from a coaching perspective as she's certainly turned Millican around and made them a force. They're on top of the conference now, ahead of her alma mater. I'm, I'm sure everyone's smiling about it. I'm sure no one's got any hard feelings. I'm sure it's all been a blast. I wanted to know more about this Millican team because they are playing really good basketball. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the aforementioned Olivia Lett joining us. First and foremost, thanks for the time and turning on your camera. We appreciate it. Good to see you. How, how's the season going from your perspective? Well, thanks for having me. Um, and, you know, it's it's been uh, nice to kind of be back to normal with uh, last year's <laughs> COVID season. Um, uh, we did try to beef up our non-conference schedule. You know, this was the first uh, time that we really had the ability to do that. Got a chance to go on the road and play Chicago, Wisconsin, Lutheran, DePaul. Uh, that was a tough week. Um, it went 0 for 3 in that week. Uh, so um, I think we learned a lot. Uh, really, that was the first time in my four years here that we've played true top 25 competition um, and felt like we were really, you know, it, right there with them. Um, 
And so I think that was a little bit of a wake up call in terms of uh, some of the things that we needed to get better at. You know, one of the things DePaul is always just so well coached um, and they do all the little things right. And I think that was something after that that we really tried to emphasize, you know, boxing out, making sure that uh, all the physicality that they play with, um, you know, I think that's a big thing. Uh, and a lot of times in those first couple of years, we weren't getting that until we got into conference play. Um, and I, so it was a good kind of prep to get into CCIW. I think it prepared us a little bit more. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of returners right now, um, still a little bit young, but more returners than what we've had in the past. Um, and so they were a little bit more prepared for CCIW uh, games. But uh, I think um, we went through a stretch there where it, we didn't lose for a while and then uh, went up to Wesleyan and, and got our butts kicked a little bit. And so uh, got brought, brought back into reality there. A l- little bit of a welcome back home uh, mm-hmm. gift for you. Yeah, I want to go back to that stretch. Um, first off, you talked about putting uh, together uh, a tougher schedule, more, I don't want to say more national necessarily, that writing, but more competitive. Is it because you knew you had a team with you that was going to need that kind of schedule? Or is it more about, all right, it's time to turn this program in a different, not a different direction, but more towards where I want to head it. No matter whether they're ready for it or not, we need to start playing more competitive schedules. And here we go. Yeah, I think that um, um, some of it is to, to prep us for CCIW play because I do think the CCIW is strong. It's a, a physical league. Uh, I think those first couple of years, our freshmen, by the time we'd get to CCIW, um, you know, they might be rolling and then they'd get into the conference play and it was a little bit different. Um, yeah. And so I think some of it is to prep us for that uh, conference play, but then we got bigger dreams. You know, we want to compete in an NCAA tournament. In order to do that, you got to play NCAA teams prior to conference as well and, you know, beef up that strength of schedule a little bit, also be prepared for what that feels like. You know, we played quite a few back-to-back games in in that non-conference-ish stretch. Um, You know, we went up to Chicago, played back-to-back. We played back-to-back the very first weekend. And then we played North Central Wash U back-to-back right before Christmas. Uh, And I think that's a a stretch that people don't understand what that feels like as a player when you go four straight weekends in the NCAA tournament. You know, once you include conference play uh, against really high competition, it, it does something to your body and that second day is tough and we talked about that a lot in those stretches of uh, making sure that we were ready to bounce back in that second day um, and being ready to being prepared for that and so it, a lot of it was with um, NCAA play in mind because we know that's what our goal is um, and we know that we want to make a run when we get there. When you look at the rest of the schedule obviously you came out of that trio of games in November um, maybe licking your wounds a little bit, but then kind of caught fire. You had a conference game two games later. You beat Augustana in that one by 11. You beat Elmer's. You beat Carroll. You beat North Central. And then you went and beat Wash U. So obviously something must have clicked after those three games to go out and be able to get the run you made after that and then go until the 19th of January without a loss. I really feel like it was that DePaul game um, because of all the little things that they do right. I know we went on to lose two more games after that, Um, but they're just a program that is very solid. They don't make a lot of mistakes, you know? Um, And I I think when we walked away from that game and the physicality of that game, our our kids realized how hard we need to compete in practice. And we were getting away with being a little sloppy about different things. And so we got – uh, in practice, even we started emphasizing all of the little things. Um, and I really think that, you know, it took a little bit for that to really catch on. Um, and I think that helped us turn the corner. Uh, and, um, 
it just helped us get back to what we really wanted to be about. Um, you know, we play fast and I think sometimes it's easy to get sloppy when you're playing fast. And so that helped us get back to really trying to be who we are. Um, you know, we want to outwork people. We want to be tougher than people. Uh, and that night specifically, both of those things, DePaul was better than us. at. Uh, and I think that's a big wake up call when those are things that you pride yourself on. So the question then is begged to be asked, what happened uh, in your old stomping grounds? They got you guys by 20. It, it seemed like a game that got out of hand quick. Yeah, you know, they did a lot of things that um, just exploited some of our weaknesses, uh, similar to what DePaul did. Um, you know, they took advantage of some of our pressure uh, and put us in positions where uh, it definitely looked like we weren't prepared for those things. Um, and I think we struggled with their press a little bit. Um, you know, I said some things that took us out of who we are. Uh, and I think that's a good lesson for me as a coach, too. You know, there's different things that got us to that point. Um, and so I I said some different things that got us a little bit more on our heels uh, and instead of really playing the way that we play and, and being true to who we are, um, we try to make sure that we're not adjusting a ton for other teams uh, because I think that takes you out of your rhythm. Uh, and that night we did. Um, and so I, I don't think that that helped us any. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a slightly different game plan going into this, uh, this one tonight. Um, and I think we feel a little bit more prepared than we did at that moment. Um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to get smacked in the mouth. Uh, because it, it helps you wake up, it helps you uh, reevaluate some things. Um, you know, we went, uh, we're doing scouts a little bit different. Um, practices are a little bit different. The, the players are getting more input in terms of different things that we're doing. Uh, we went through a stretch where my assistant coaches had to um, run some practices. And I think that is going to help us in the long run too, just in terms of them getting some voice, getting their voice a little bit more and our upperclassmen having to take a little bit more control of the program. And in the long run, hopefully uh it, it works out for us yeah we should point out uh we were joking uh off air before we got started nothing else going on today no no big deal you just happen to have the rematch you two teams are both tied atop the conference at 10 and 1 obviously a win today would help almost pretty much give you the home court for the conference tournament because you'd hand them a second loss split the season series things go your way barring nothing happens in the final four games so it's a big game. It's also a game that's moved several times. Um, I think for weather, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Not for yes. COVID. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot up on this one. I'm sure everyone's aware of that. Moving it has that been beneficial? Uh, you know, we we've we've been ready to play for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's felt like every day was a pregame practice, you know, and then you wake up the next morning and you find out you're not playing. Um, that's a weird feeling to go through for six days. Uh, and then to play Carol on Saturday when that's not who you were planning on playing for most of the week uh, is also a very weird feeling. And so, um, you know, yeah, you get a little bit more prep. Uh, to be honest with you, yesterday we didn't do a ton because we felt like we had already done most of the prep work. Uh, I do think Carol is a similar team to both us and Wesleyan and that they play faster. You know, they press. Um, and so I do think that was a, a good game for us to get in before this one as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think that um, 
the extra time is good and bad. It's just how you take it. You know, they've got uh, Brooke Lansford had a huge game for them on Saturday. Um, she's had a, a great senior season. Uh, and then they've got three freshmen that have really stepped up for them. Um, and I think they really hit their stride in our first game um, and have played well for them throughout conference. And so they're a, a scary team um, and obviously can get hot and uh, put the ball in the basket. Talk about a little bit of your team. You're led by Elise Knudsen. Correct. Cool. I got it right. Finally, 19 and a half points a game, six rebounds a game, uh, leads the team in assists as well, leads the team or second on the team in, in steals, uh, co-leader in, in blocks, does a lot of things right statistically, obviously shoots well as well. Uh, you got two others in double figures, Bailey Kaufman and Jordan uh, Heidelbrand. Uh, let's see, 13.3 respect and 11 points per game, respectively. Good rebounders as well. And, and Aubrey Stanton, Stanton, by the way, not that far from double digits. Tell me a little bit about that core group on a team that, at least statistically, looks like you go pretty deep on the bench. Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, Elise was uh, All-American last year. Um, she's just a special player. Uh, you you don't see kids like that very often. Um, can take over a game at, at any moment. Um, just has one of the most pure shots that you've seen. Um, can handle the basketball. You know, her between her and Miranda Fox, sometimes they're just – uh, one man or one woman uh, press breaks. Um, and uh, she is truly just like an amazing teammate too. You know, she wants to get other people involved. She wants to create great shots for other people. And, you know, Saturday was uh, uh, her kind of turning point in terms of defensively too, got back to what we saw last year during the playoffs um, and uh, really did a really good job on one of Carol's best players. And so uh, hopefully that continues moving forward. Um, you know, Jordan Hilda brand came back for fifth year for us uh as a freshman you know won eight games as a sophomore won eight games and then you know to go 16 games 16 wins and then a conference championship uh got her to come back for that fifth year um you know a nursing major that decided to come back and get her mba so that she could uh come back for a fifth year um and just a tough kid blue collar kid um you know, she's kind of the heart and soul of our defense. Uh, she probably knows it better than I do at this point. Um, and is just directing traffic out there, getting people in the right spots. Um, and, uh, you know, comes back and can, in her role almost, you know, statistically continues to go down, uh, you know, in terms of she decided to come back because she wanted to help win a championship, not what she was going to achieve individually. And I think that speaks volumes about kind of where our, our team is, our team culture and what type of leader she is for us as well. And then Bailey Kaufman obviously can go off on any night, um, you know, just a, a tough matchup as a six foot kid that can shoot from outside or get to the rim, um, just knows how to score. Uh, and then Aubrey state right now i think is shooting almost 45 percent from three um that was something that we really talked about with her was that she needed to get back to uh getting in the gym and, and shooting at that high percentage you know as a freshman she averaged about 16 and a half points for us and again her role has gone down and she's been okay with that because it's meant more wins for the team and jazz brown moved out of the starting lineup for us because uh that helps us you know as a senior she's been starting for two or three years moves out of the starting lineup again role kind of goes down wins go up and I think that's something that it, for this team is really big um you know Miranda Fox takes between two and three charges a game one game she took I think five uh just a tough hard-nosed kid that uh you know runs the one for us gets us into the right stuff and so it, it, we talk a lot about having pieces to a puzzle you know and I think that's something that uh, Elise gets a lot of notoriety um 
but it's because of all of those pieces around her that she's able to do what she does. And I think that's really, really important to have kids that understand that their roles and understand how important those things are. You, of course, bring that perspective as a student athlete, uh, played at Illinois Wesleyan, uh, your final two seasons, it, you guys were in the championship, including at home in 2011. Uh, you got to the weekend. You weren't in the championship game, but you got to the weekend in Bloomington. Unfortunately, Wash U was a buzzsaw that season, and, and Christopher Newport didn't really treat you well in the third-place game, but it was a third-place game after all. But you seemed to get your revenge the next year. Uh, defeated St. Thomas in the semifinals. You guys went on in a great game against George Fox. Of course, those games, unfortunately, at Hope in that case. Tell me a little bit about that experience as a student athlete and how how it's helping you as a head coach and kind of mold this team that it, at Milliken currently. Yeah, I think, you know, what I just talked about is really a great segue into it, too. You know, I think we that senior year, we had just great pieces to a puzzle. You know, uh, Britt Hasselbring was a – Super tough point guard that nobody wanted to go against. Um, Karen Solari played the four for us uh, offensively so that I could play a guard. She guarded a three so that I didn't have to guard a guard. Um, and uh, Oh, you wanted the easy job. I got it. Correct. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Mel Gardner shot, I think, 45% from three. Uh, and like I said, just a bunch of pieces to a puzzle, a bunch of people that hated to lose. Uh, and I think that's something that is really important. You know, if you look on paper, that team my junior year is probably better than my senior year um, in terms of individual pieces. Uh, but the my, the team my senior year just fit really well together. And again, those people let me do what my job was in terms of the scoring part uh, and allowed that part to be easy. Um, you know, earlier we talked about kind of those back to back weekends and how tough those are. Uh, and I think so in terms of a scheduling thing, I think that's something that I really try to uh keep in perspective in that non-conference is getting us prepared for that um, because I, it's hard to understand what that feels like if you haven't been through it, um, especially when you start getting to that third or fourth weekend and you've done it for you know four weeks. Uh, and I think that's something that we'll definitely take into account um, going into the conference tournament. You know, if we're able to get make the NCAA tournament, what that looks like uh, in terms of days off, in terms of um, really trying to make sure that we're in shape going into those so that we can modify that a little bit once we get into that point. Um, but uh, I think just the competitive side of it is something that that people don't understand the level that you got to work every single day um, and that there is no days off um, and that when you are one of those top teams that you get everybody's best effort every single night. And I think we're seeing that a little bit more this year um, is that we're getting everyone's best effort every single night. Uh, and um, that's something that I, I think. It hasn't tripped us up yet, but it definitely scares me going into these last four or five games um, because uh, I think this is a tough stretch. You know, we got Wesleyan tonight. We've got uh, a scary North Central team up at their place on Wednesday. We've got North Park on Saturday. Um, that's four games in eight days. Uh, that's a tough stretch. Um, and so uh, this will be a good prep for, you know, if we're able to, to make that NCAA tournament as well. What's it like to go up against your former coach and Mia Smith on, on a regular basis since you're in the conference? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a fun rivalry because, you know, they are one of the best teams in the conference, right? Uh, I think everybody likes that storyline. Um, but but it re, we really talk about the fact that uh, – 
they're they are the top team right and so it's trying to knock off them and it's fun that it is a rivalry rivalry again i think that speaks volumes about the work that our kids have put in uh because when i was a player it wasn't much of a rivalry and you know i think before that obviously uh millican has national title um i think during that stretch uh it was a little bit more of a rivalry and so it's fun to have it back there um if they're concerned about us it means we're doing something right uh and uh that's something that it, it is fun it's enjoyable. Um, you know, we've got a lot of sports programs here that are, are getting back to that level. You know, Kramer's doing a great job on the men's side. Um, wrestling is good here, baseball, softball. And so it, it's one of those things where we are starting to turn that corner and it's a, it's a fun thing to be a part of. I assume there's still a little bit of green in your blood. Or is it all? Uh, <laughs> it's it's a fun experience to go back. Um, you know, it's fun to see people. It's fun to to see those banners there, uh, to play in front of that crowd. Like it, you, it's a hard feeling to explain to anybody. Um, and so it, it is a cool atmosphere to be in. It's a cool uh, game to be in. You know, I'm blessed to to be able to play, to be able to coach now in big games like this. Uh, our teams talked a lot about that this week. Was enjoying those moments. You know, um, enjoying that those times because I do think as a player, um, you know, we won a decent amount of conference titles there in a row and it was something that was just expected. And yeah. I don't want to get to that point. I want us to enjoy those things. And so tonight's uh, a fun game. Like it's really important to, to enjoy that because not every team gets to play in games like that. Not every team gets to play in, in gyms that are going to have the energy uh, of this game. And I, I think that's a really cool experience. Well, uh, obviously you'll enjoy it. Yeah, that is clear. Um, we appreciate the time. I know you got better things to do now and, and get ready for that game than to, to humor us, but I appreciate you bearing with us and, as we ran a little late today. Uh, but congratulations on a tremendous season. Congratulations on the program you've got rolling along there now. Um, and congratulations just on wherever it takes you. I appreciate the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts yeah. you want to share those tuned in? I was listening to that right before and I started to get nervous. Um, no, but uh, thank you guys for everything that you do. Um, truthfully, I know that's what a lot of people say, but uh, my career would not, and I probably could say that more than anybody else, but my career would not be what it is today if it wasn't for you guys and all that you do in terms of supporting D3 sports um, and D3 hoops. Uh, and it just is, it's really cool for our, our kids and our players to to have that experience. And I, I do appreciate everything that you guys do um, and uh, hopefully look forward to talking to you guys even more. That'll be fun. Well, thank you. Uh, a little, little weird to have covered you in two different roles, but I'm settling into the fact that we've been around a bit, uh, but uh, thanks all the same. Really appreciate it. Have fun tonight. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Olivia Latt joining us from Milliken as her team takes on Illinois Wesley and her alma mater coming up tonight in a big game in the CCIW. When we come back, we wrap things up. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. 
I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division III coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com. Of course, I want to thank the NABC for their support of D3 Hoops, or D of Hoopsville, I should say. It's easier for me to say than I thought. I want to appreciate them for their support and their help, as they always have been. Great to work with the NABC over the years. Also, WBCA, of course, Blue Frame Technology and D3 Hoops for their support as well. Fun show today, a little bit longer than we anticipated. No Top 25 chat. Again, we won't talk about Top 25 uh, this week at all. We're just going to take a break from it. The new poll will be coming out soon. My ballot will be in shortly. Um, I'll admit, it's it's getting harder to, to vote. There are so many good teams, and Brian Baptiste brought that up at the end of the segment about why isn't Mass Dartmouth maybe getting more top 25 attention. I think it's a valid argument. And I'll admit, looking at mine, it is a it is a challenging um, shoehorn to try and get every team I think deserves to get top 25 attention into the top 25, including over teams that maybe I don't think are top 25 teams. But when I start breaking it down and looking at them, there's, it's hard to argue they aren't. Um, and so it's crazy. It's tough. And so I, I got a ballot that I got to submit and I, I need to double check a few things before I do. Um, but I can tell you, I got 25 teams up there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I had 11 teams I was considering that weren't in the top 25 or 10, 10, 11, something like that. So that's 35 plus teams uh, and probably could even go to 40 without much trouble. Uh, we'll see where some teams lie. At the end of this poll, Yeshiva taking loss of Framingham State this weekend, I think is an interesting one. They lost at home. When you dive into Framingham State, let's be honest, pretty good team. Not uh, they're 14 and 7. They're not a they're not a horrible team. I think that's a better, I don't want to say better loss. I hate that term. But it's not a horrific loss. Should Yeshiva have won the game? Yeah, probably. 
But Illinois Wesleyan should have beaten Chicago Concordia, granted on the road. Um, maybe Platteville should have gotten at least one of the two against Oshkosh. Um, and we can go through a lot of teams and wonder why they've got losses again against teams that doesn't make any sense to us or, or that, that shouldn't happen or whatnot. There's very few teams that have no losses or very few losses that you don't have to think about. I mean, St. Joseph's is still undefeated. There's two teams with 20 wins already, Randolph-Macon and Oswego State. Uh, you've got a lot of teams with two losses or one loss. Williams is 14-1 and one right now and hasn't played a game in a while. I don't know when they're going to play next. So there's questions about them. Maryville's 17 and 1. Or I'm sorry, yeah, 17 and 1. Marietta's 18 and 2. I watched Marietta against John Carroll this weekend. So, you know, Yeshiva's 18 and 2. So the loss doesn't look great to Farmingdale State, but I don't think it, it looks as bad as, as others had anticipated. I think there's a lot of teams you can go through and, and take a game out and go, what in the world was this all about? Um and it makes doing the top 25 that much more difficult. And again, I've got 35 to 40 teams I'm trying to shoehorn in, and it's it's impossible. Makes for a tough, tough look at it. Um it's 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 a fascinating um it's a fascinating season on both the men's and women's side. I think the women's side is gonna be interesting this with this week too. You know, do do the top twenty-five votes stay the way they are right now? Um, who else is making waves that maybe should be in the top 25 that, that aren't sometimes when I'm booking guests, I'm, that's when I kind of spot teams that, um, maybe aren't getting the attention they should be getting. And that includes me on the men's side, but even on the women's side, but we're into the last few weeks here. I mean, again, what was it three weeks from today, right? We'll have brackets. Yep. Three weeks from today, we'll have brackets. Two weeks from today, we're, we're going to be talking about most conference tournaments about to start up, if and some of them will have already gotten going. A week from today, we'll be reacting or prepping for the next regional rankings after getting ready for this week's rankings or reacting to this week's rankings. Lots happening in the next few weeks, and as a result of that, a lot of teams are flying a bit under the radar that might surprise some people. I'd be fascinated to see how it all plays out. Uh, this is a fun time. It's it's fun that a year ago we knew this wasn't happening. We weren't heading towards a tournament. We weren't heading towards regional rankings. We weren't heading towards selections. Of course, two years ago, we thought everything was fine. I, I know the COVID virus was making news, but I wasn't paying attention because, you know, we got, we got a tournament ahead of us. No big deal. So a lot has changed in two years. A reminder, regional rankings for men will be out on Tuesday. For women, they'll be out on Wednesday. At this point, unless something changes, we will not do a show for Thursday, even though we said we might pre-tape it. There's just too much going on in my schedule. And I, I just need to be smart versus trying to kill myself. We will try and do a reactionary show or reactionary thing, maybe on Twitter or Facebook. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we'll try and react to the regional rankings on Tuesday. We'll try and react to regional rankings on Wednesday. But I cannot promise you anything. But stay with us on social media to find out what we might be doing. A reminder, those rankings will be alphabetical. We will put out tweets and links to remind everybody to, to tune in and, and get up to speed on that. I wasn't a fan when it first came out. I saw men's basketball was behind it. I didn't like it. Had an extensive conversation with Mike Shower off the air. 
that made me appreciate it better. And we've talked to him since, and I understand it better. So just be aware it's alphabetical. We don't have all the data. Results versus regionally ranked opponents will not be in there. That'll come in the next week. We'll also have a lot of teams ranked. We have 10 regions now instead of eight. There's a lot going on. And I hope you'll stay with D3 Hoops and and, and Hoopsville for all of that. Don't forget, go to D3 Hoops. By the way, our SOS information for women's is up, and we have a link to the men's. This is not NCA data. This is based on what the math should be, so this is what we see it. We will compare when the first regional rankings come out to what the data said as of yesterday. Remember, the data is through Sunday for these regional rankings. We'll compare and make sure that our numbers are are adding up, and if any changes need to be made, we'll make them. If any questions have to be made or or questions have to be asked, we'll we'll ask them. We'll figure out what needs to be adjusted to. A couple of twists. So we have the Selection Sunday show coming up in under three weeks. That'll be the 27th of February. We're working on our on our panels for that. We'll be hitting the air at 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern that night and, and just doing the doing the selections. We'll even have some guests on as well on who we think will make the tournaments. We're looking into doing whip around the following weekend, but as I hinted at, there could be twists, and there already are twists, so I'm not sure if whip around is going to take place. I know Jay right now is peeved. We love doing whip around, but we have to make priority to other things too. So we're not sure if Whip Around will get done, but we'll do our best. And there you go. I'm going to be traveling this weekend, though watching games as much as I can. I'm not going to be anywhere near a a D3 program, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd make the effort to go to a game if I was allowed. Um, So we'll be back on the air next Monday in the evening. We'll go back to our normally evening shows I'm debating about making up for the loss of Thursday because we won't have a chance to talk to those regions, um, 3, 5, 7, 9, slash 10. So we may make it a slightly longer show on that Monday only just to get in some extra guests, but we'll cross that bridge in the next few days as we decide on things. If you got questions for us off air, if you have questions for us that you want, that you're curious about, you don't understand or whatever, we'll try and answer them for you. You're welcome to email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. You're welcome to tweet at us, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Uh, Some people even direct message us. We allow direct messaging, uh, even if we're not friends, though we just may not see it right away. And We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoops, so you can message us through there as well. So there you go. Coming up, we'll have the new top 25s this evening. And that's a Monday, if you're listening on the podcast. And then we're going to take a week off. Not that we're going to be off. We'll be working. But uh, we'll get the, unless you hear otherwise, we'll do some type of reactionary show in the next two days on on the regional rankings. And then we'll at least get something out the door next Monday. I think we'll take Thursday off just due to the schedule. I want to thank uh, our guests from today, Brian Baptiste from Mass Dartmouth, John Krikorian from Christopher Newport, Mandy King from Kane, and Olivia Lett from Milliken, and a big thank you to Dixie Jeffers for coming on the show. What a great chat it was with her about Division Three basketball, retirement, being an AD, her health, et cetera. Very revealing. Didn't expect it to be that revealing, but it was wonderful to hear her perspective on things. Appreciate her taking the time. Her retirement, the the announcement before the show that Mark Hansen has retired. We also know Bill Fenlon has announced he's retiring. Of course, I heard that 
And we broke the news over the weekend that Matt Airy is out at Aurora. The coaching carousel is already spinning, and we'll see new coaches in new places next season as we always do. But congratulations on those retiring on tremendous careers. I also want to thank all the sports information directors at Mass Dartmouth, Christopher Newport, Kane, Milliken, and Capital, who bailed me out at the last minute with a, a request. And, of course, all the other sports information directors out there for their assistance on this show as well. And that will do it. I want to thank D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Blue Frame Technology, for all the help they do in getting this show on the air. And I also want to thank all of you for tuning in and being a part of the show as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the week of basketball that is ahead of us and regional rankings and all that as we get those out the door. And again, get in touch with us if you got questions. We'll do our best to answer them, even if you don't like the answer. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and Blue Frame Technology. We'll see you back here throughout the week and next Monday. Good night, everybody.